0: Bye, <laughs> bye, Welcome to the 69th episode nice. of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the Lieutenant Colonel to the Spider-Man No Way Home Hype Battalion, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir?
1: General Kenobi, it goes quite nice, if you know what I mean.
0: How are you? Uh, I'm good. I, it goes quite nice. All right. Nice. So Sounds good. Simon, want to repeat what episode we're on again? We're, we're on episode 69. Nice! Oh, I see. This is dumb. All right. Understood. Excellent. You're just calling it done right off the bat?
1: We made it this far, baby.
0: We did, which is great. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it is cool. You and I are in a sexual position now. Yeah, that's how far we've gotten. Mm-hmm. An accomplishment, a true accomplishment. Yeah, that's cool. Far into our relationship. We should try it sometime. You and I. Uh, You mean like remotely? Because we talk only through the podcast, but we don't see each other in the same room anymore when we record. So
1: We also don't talk outside this
0: podcast, but you don't need to talk for it.
1: You know what I'm saying, Simon? You
0: know what I'm saying, man? I do. I do. But uh, anyway, I don't want to go through the logistics of how we would do that through the internet. So I'm, I'm going to just uh, move on <laughs> and um, and mention Spider-Man No Way Home Again. I know what? this might be getting old. I know. It's crazy. Hopefully it's not getting old to some audience members. It is quite exciting. I mean, what's going to be, what's going to go on in this new Spider-Man, the the third Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland directed by John Watts.
1: Yeah. What's going to happen? I wonder.
0: The reason why I'm bringing it up again is because Charlie Cox, actor Charlie nice. Cox, who's the Daredevil, aka Matthew Murdoch actor in the Netflix series, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. He uh, was in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter apparently and, um. He gave a little bit of a statement as to his hopes and dreams or to, I don't know, I guess the quell the, the, quell the hopes and dreams of audience members who might be excited to see him return as mm-hmm. Matthew Murdoch. And this is what he said. Are you ready, Adrian? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Excellent. He said, quote, you've got to be careful what you wish for. You come back and it's not as good or it doesn't quite work or too much time has passed. It doesn't quite come together in the same way. You don't want to taint. What you've already got. If we never come back, you've got these three great seasons. And our third season was our best reviewed. So the trajectory was up. I am tremendously proud and grateful for what we have. Unquote. That's a nice statement, Simon. It's it a is. nice statement. He said more. And I don't want to quote the whole thing, but I just find that this interview, he was very much, if he's playing coy, and he is in Spider-Man No Way Home, as many fans believe out there. They believe that he is in that, uh, that one scene in the interrogation room.
1: Where he slams down those books.
0: Right. I, that's been I,
1: debunked, I, by the way. Because if you see the trailer in IMAX, it's a different actor entirely. Oh. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah.
0: I didn't notice it because I just watched a movie in IMAX and that trailer was there. I didn't. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's not even. It's not happening. Matthew Mordor is not in this movie, even though he was. He ronored, might be. I don't think so.
1: But yeah, I don't know. I want to believe.
0: That's probably a detective. That actually makes more sense because he's slamming the books down anyway.
1: Yeah. Maybe he comes in after that scene. He's like, hey, this guy, he's mine. This Spider-Man, he's my guy. Stop slamming those books. That's my thing. I did that in my in the three seasons of my TV
0: series, he's going to say. Yeah, he just argues it and breaks the fourth wall yeah. like Deadpool. no. The the crazy thing, though, is, again, before that trailer moment where Mm -hmm. there's a guy in an interrogation room in front of Tom Holland and he slams books down on a desk, that was a rumor that already existed. Like, Matthew Murdoch, a.k.a. Daredevil, played by Charlie Cox, was in this movie. I don't remember why that was. I don't know if you remember, Adrian, but that was a rumor already.
1: Yeah, it was probably like a We Got This Covered or something that, like, wrote it and then it just went awry. But I think the big thing that was pointing towards – uh, like Charlie Cox being in Spider Man No Way Home is that uh, Karen Page, um, Deborah Ann Wool, right. she was uh, seen with um, Kirsten Dunst. Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst, like walking near the set of Spider Man No Way Home. So that was yeah. really when the rumors started flourishing more and more like, oh, the like, Toby McGuire is probably in this if Kirsten Dunst is in this. And if, if Deborah Ann Wool is near her or, or with her, like then maybe Charlie Cox is in this. Cox um so yeah i don't know that would be really nice i would like to have them in there um so i'm gonna make my my first wish out of the 69 wishes i'm gonna make today simon because we're on episode 69. um is that charlie Cox being spider-man no way home will i make 69 wishes this episode probably not i'm probably gonna forget about this bit very soon but you know yeah,
0: like in the next five minutes yeah definitely that's my guess yeah but uh, it's interesting actually because I just thought back for a moment about how MJ in Spider-Man, the Marvel Sony Spider-Man universe with Tom Holland
1: mm-hmm.
0: is Zendaya, mm-hmm. which is interesting because people were like, oh, how is that MJ? Like her iconic feature is the red hair. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating actually because it's, it's an alternate universe. If they can pull in Kirsten Dunst, it kind of makes more sense. Because it's an alternate universe type Spider-Man. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Because I, I don't—I always kind of thought that they might actually just introduce Mary Jane Watson later on as like a different character. Yeah, that's what my impression was. But now I'm thinking no, because yeah, of the maybe. way they're doing the multiverse. Because yeah,
1: like Zendaya's name isn't Mary Jane Watson. Like I forget what her name was. It's something different. And then like her nickname is just MJ. She's like, oh, people call me MJ. Like that was the reveal at the end of Homecoming.
0: Yeah. yeah right. So. I just think that they won't have a Mary Jane Watts. I mean, they might, but it seems more unlikely just because of the way they're diving like headfirst into the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but my ultimate message to anyone listening to this is a fan of this and has been looking up all the rumors is just don't get too ahead of yourself. Don't be so excited about these potential rumors that are likely not going to come true. I really don't think Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield is going to be in this movie. And Charlie Cox doesn't look like he's in it either. I think mm. Toby Maguire is probably the most likely to be in it, honestly. But I am keeping my expectations real low because every one of these actors has pretty much denied it. I don't recall Maguire's denial, so I don't know about that one. But um, Garfield certainly did. Yeah. So anyway. I just wanted to say that. Well,
1: that would not be nice if they weren't in there. It would be really it nice It wouldn't be.
0: But I, I'm also talking to you, not just the audience, Adrian. I'm just worried about you. I, I don't want you to be, you know, we go into this movie. We don't talk because we don't talk as this podcast, but we sit next had to each won. other potentially. And we're watching this movie and then you leave the theater and you're like, damn it. This was a disappointment. I'm like, this was, movie was great, I say. And you say, no, it wasn't because Tobey Maguire was not in this movie. They told us or- You know, I was under the impression that it would be.
1: No, I'm not going to be disappointed for that. Like, obviously, there'll be like a slight sense of disappointment, but I don't think that's going to make or break the movie. I just like this hype train nonsense that I've been on. It's just fun to speculate and it's fun to hope. There's so little hope, things to hope for, Simon. Just let me hope for it, man. You know what I mean? Hmm. And ideally, if this movie's great, which I imagine it's going to be. It'll make up for it. Anyways, even if it, even if they're not in, I think it's still going to be good. I think John Watts came out and said, like, this is essentially Spider-Man Endgame. It's like some some quote that he said. I read it online. I don't know from what source I was scrolling through, like Facebook or Twitter. Um, But yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this, Simon.
0: Oh, shit. You know, hey, eh? Empire. Spider-Man No Way Home is Spider-Man Endgame, says director John Watts. Oh, mm. that is what that's a Why would you do that, though? It's a wild statement. I do agree. Like, I am assuming, obviously, just you know, for context for our viewers, if they don't pay attention to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I am guessing the. Re- I mean, what else could they be referencing? They're referencing Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. which is just. I mean, that that movie is a juggernaut. It's got a crazy number of actors, so much talent in it, and it's just the it's like the culmination of yeah. like 10, 10 years. Yeah, I know of films. There is like sixty-nine
1: actors at the very least in that movie.
0: Oh, that's good. Nice. nice oh man that was my response i was supposed to say nice yeah i'm missing the cues i apologize it's okay man
1: you'll get it we got it we got a a whole episode to to perfect it
0: uh you know what's not nice adrian no i don't know what's not nice and this isn't really a joke it's not nice at all uh the situation with alec baldwin on rust
1: oof uh yeah (laughs) what a what an awful segue (laughs) um i'm sorry i don't mean to be laughing uh people died um or a person died,
0: yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I wasn't joking, I, I was trying to preface it with, yeah, yeah. So that's a crazy situation, like, uh, yeah, that's awful. The cinematographer's name is Helena Hutchins, and uh, I, I guess she was like up and coming and she was people really appreciate her work, and um, it's just a crazy situation though. Like, I don't understand how uh, if you're not aware of what happened, there was somehow a live round in a prop gun, and mm-hmm. prop guns are not. Prop, really, prop guns. Prop guns, apparently, which I don't think I fully understood. Prop guns are actually just guns. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just regular guns. And they are kind of modified to make sure that they aren't dangerous. And, you know, prop masters and armorers have to make sure that they aren't dangerous before uh, they're handed to an actor uh, for a scene. Um, but Alec Baldwin was handed a, a gun with a. Live round in it, and he was firing. I'm not sure why he was firing toward the camera, but I'm sure there was a shot that required that. Uh, who knows? And it went through to the cinematographer and hit the director, which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just—it's nuts. I just don't understand how there would be a live round at all in, in this in the mix. But uh, I don't know what you thought about the whole situation. I, I honestly, I, just to be clear, I did not mean to be make light of it. I was trying to segue out of it, out of out of something that was very lighthearted into yeah. something dark, and I, I didn't mean to do that. Just to be clear. But anyway, um, Adrian, I don't know what you think about the situation, but um, that's I mean, pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's horrific, man. Like it, it sucks for all parties involved. Obviously, uh, you know, like a life was lost uh, way too early, um, which sucks, and. You know, I, I'm sure that there's a level of guilt on Alec Baldwin for, you know, him pulling the trigger when it shouldn't have had a bullet. But, you know, at the end of the day, he, he did it and that that guy's got to live with that. And I don't know, it's it's a totally awful situation and it's very unfortunate. And I don't know. It's it's very sad. It's very sad. It reminds me because the, the a similar thing happened on the set of The Crow, Right. Like that was like yeah, one of those Brandon big Lee. movies. That's exactly. Yeah.
0: That was the last time it happened. Oh. That was the last time. Well, that it happened in such a big, um, high profile way. And he died like Brandon Lee. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very unfortunate. And I mean, hopefully this will, you know, like make change and hopefully something like this will never happen again. Uh, and, uh, You know, I hope they like you know figure out what went wrong and how this even happened, so they can avoid it from ever happening again and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I don't have much to add to this. Again, it's just an awful situation. You know, I hope everyone uh, is okay. Um, And I know, I believe the director was also injured on on that set, Uh, not not killed. I think they're in the hospital, so I hope they have a speedy recovery and everything like that.
0: You know, I I I hope everyone discharged. I think he's okay. I think so. Okay, well that's good.
1: So um, yeah, I don't know. It must have been a very yeah. traumatic experience for everyone on set. So I'd
0: Hopefully. imagine, yeah. The, the yeah. crazy thing is, apparently, I don't know how many people were leaving set or whatever, but there was like this. The, I don't know, not unsafe work conditions, but people had left the set like a few hours before that day because they were upset about the, their working conditions. Oh, so that like could have had something to do with it, and that there was less crew to tend to things like this. Mm. Um. It was, I don't know, they had to drive like hours away because they weren't put up in hotels to do these shoots for for this, this movie when they were on location. So I think that they, I think a lot of the crew was kind of like fed up and they had quit. That was the, that's the thing floating around anyways that people had resigned. Mm-hmm. Um, Damn. But yeah, there's, um, interestingly, on the set of The Rookie, ABC's The Rookie starring Nathan Fillion, the, I think it was the showrunner basically said, we're shutting this down. We're not doing any more real guns. Yeah. Like we're not firing guns anymore. We're just basically going to do uh muzzle flashes through post, like post production, which I find interesting. Um cuz they did a mixture in that show. The Rookies like a cop show, if you're not aware. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. Of that. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. I, I wonder who else might do this like what other productions might just transition and i i think the boys showrunner
1: um eric Kirpke also said a similar thing that he's going to just like not allow uh, like no more guns with blanks on set as well i read that too so
0: i kind of wonder though whether you could just like, i feel like a company could just come along adrian maybe there's a next uh, dragons den pitch but mm-hmm. uh shark tank in the us yeah dragons den's the version of shark tank I guess that's Canadian. Um, Dragon's Den's Canadian? Dragon's Den's Canadian, yeah. I think it was initially the UK, but- I thought it was vice versa. What? No, Dragon's Den's definitely Canadian. Oh, okay. You thought Shark Tank was Canadian?
1: I thought it was the the other way around. I don't don't remember exactly.
0: Mark Cuban's on- Kevin O'Leary. Isn't Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank? Kevin O'Leary is Canadian. Yeah, but he's on Shark Tank. And Robert, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Robert and Kevin are both Canadian- they came from Dragons Den, this TV series in Canada. Oh. And they wanted to make more money, so they came over when executive producer Mark Burnett invited them to come to the U.S. version of Dragons Den called Shark Tank. And Shark Tank became huge in the states because it's a really good idea. But the Canadian market is not as big as the American one. So then it's they, true. you know, I guess they they sold the idea of the show to some people like Mark Cuban who is obviously huge over there as well, and he's a pretty big personality. And so they got him on the show as well and many other billion billionaire, millionaire individuals. That's kind of the way it works. But Kevin O'Leary and uh, Robert Herjavec, I believe is the way you pronounce his last name.
1: I can't remember how to pronounce his name. He's like anyway. a Croatian dude, isn't he? Or Bosnian?
0: He is. He is Croatian. Yeah. I, I feel like I should know because... You're Croatian. Part of my family yeah. is Croatian. But anyway... Um, yeah, that's the story. Why were we talking about Shark Tank? Dude,
1: I have no idea how we segwayed to that. Oh,
0: right. I was telling you that I, there's an idea. My idea for a, a company, and I can't believe this isn't doesn't exist. And my disbelief earlier was that they're still using real guns and they're mm-hmm. just modified. Why don't they just make gun, like prop guns that just look exactly like guns and feel exactly like guns, but they fi- don't fire blanks. They fire a different type of thing out of the chamber. Like why... Why does that not exist? It's just shocking. I I'd like imagine Airsoft they soft be-
1: guns essentially just different. I think the 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 main point of like using those guns is so you don't have to do like virtual effects to make it seem like a bullet's being shot out or like you know the muzzle flashes. They want it right. a little bit more realistic.
0: But there must be another way to create that kind of combustion without mm. firing a, a blank. Potentially, like, you can't put a live round in it. That's what I'm saying. Like, is there a way to create um, a gun? you can't put a live run. Yeah, they're right. The Rookie, that's what they were saying. They're going to use BB guns. And then that's what they used anyways. They were using BB yeah. guns half the time, but they were also using guns with blanks, the other half. And it's like, but why not just have a gun company that creates prop guns? Cause there's these, this industry, I, I don't, I maybe mean, I'm crazy, but it just seems like there's a million and five shows coming out every year now. Like these streaming services True. are on the hunt to create the best content ever. And like, I mean, the Sopranos is probably coming back for a prequel. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So this is crazy. So like every every show that ever existed already before is kind of coming back, like Dexter as an example. And it's then true. you have all these other new things. It's not like they're just remaking old stuff. They've got like tons of new ideas and tons of new streaming services like Apple TV Plus didn't exist three years ago. And they've got tons of shows coming out, which have really high quality special effects and are great ideas. Anyways. I digress. That's what we should take to Shark Tank, this gun company. That's a good idea. It seems a little bit ridiculous to think that somebody hasn't already tried to make prop guns like this that are safer. Maybe they exist and they're too expensive. Maybe they tried to do this and it never worked out. Yeah. But also, we just told the world or the five people in Mm -hmm. New Zealand that are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Sorry, did I say five? I mean, 500. Did I say five? I'm sorry. 500 people in New Zealand that are listening to this podcast. Because we're the second most popular podcast in New Zealand, Adrian. I don't know if Dude, you I that. Dude, kn-
1: I know about that. I'm like fully aware of
0: that. <laughs> I feel like you could have corrected me with a number change.
1: But 69. We're going
0: to move on. Most popular podcast in New Zealand? No. Why would you drop <laughs> our number? You say 6,900. Come on. 6,900 people are listening. 69 people were listening. do drop our ranking. Okay. This is awful. It is. This is awful. Yeah. Like workshopping jokes. Yeah. On air. It is awful. Yeah. Okay, Adrian. I made two mistakes last week on our episode. Episode 68. We did, yeah. No, I did. I made these mistakes. Mm -hmm. Together. Anyways, the mistakes were this. Um, Very simply. HBO Max definitely has exclusives. I don't know why I said differently. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I said this, and you argued with me on last week's episode, episode 68. You can go check audience. Mm-hmm. He argued with me that HBO Max definitely has exclusives that are not just on HBO, the channel. Mm-hmm. You got HBO Max exclusives like Raised by Wolves, which is an HBO Max exclusive. Yeah. Peacemaker apparently looks to be a HBO Max exclusive. It will not be on HBO standard. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't think we both made that mistake, Adrian, because you were arguing against me. So I believe I made that mistake, and uh, I'm sorry. We did. I'm sorry for that.
1: My mistakes are your mistakes. Your mistakes are my mistakes. Even if I argue with my own mistake, it was still our mistake.
0: Yeah, you've been saying that for the last five episodes, and uh, I still don't agree. Logic adds up. Uh, I don't agree. Anyways, second thing I made a mistake on, really simply, we talked about uh, William Shatner. Willie Willie Shatner. He was going to space. mm -hmm. And... I called the, uh, the rocket. Willie fuel- Schatz. Sure. I argued that the rocket fuel they used to go to space definitely couldn't be environmental. I meant environmentally friendly, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the essence of transparency, because we want the, to be as accurate as possible in Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. Yeah. And that's why we ask our audience to write into us at Split Focus Podcast at gmail.com mm. if we do make mistakes like this. But obviously, rocket fuel is in some element environmental. I meant it's environmentally unfriendly. Mm-hmm. It's environmentally unfriendly. Anyway, that's all. That's yeah. all. That's all for the mistakes that I noticed from episode sixty-eight. If you notice any mistakes, please write into us again. I'm always monitoring that email, and uh, if you notice a mistake, or you want to ask us a weird question, or to talk to us about. Spider-Man No Way Home or whatever.
1: What's your favorite sexual position after 69?
0: I, I don't know if I really want to talk to them about that. But again, I said write in about anything. So if you want to write in about anything, that's something you can also write in about. You heard it here mm-hmm. first from Adrian Pinter. Anyway, nice. good. Um, Adrian, we both saw a movie this week. A pretty big movie. Yeah. One, of, one of the biggest movies, if not the biggest movie of the year, I would argue. Yeah. And we saw it separately, actually, in this case. So we definitely didn't talk outside this podcast. Not that we ever do. Never having it wrong. Yeah. Right. But we both saw Dune. I saw Dune in IMAX. How did you see Dune? I saw Dune in Ultra AVX. Ooh. Which is just a yeah. slight step down from IMAX. Although, honestly, in some some respect, if you go to certain IMAX theaters, Ultra AVX is just as good. But. Um, hmm
1: if not better. Like if we compare to the landmark cinemas one, you know what I mean?
0: That landmark cinema one's cinemas IMAX
1: theater. Remember when we watched Dunkirk? And I remember the crackling.
0: Yeah, it was bad. It did. did yeah. Also, the screen wasn't as big as the Ultra AVX at the Cineplex near us. I know. So Dunkirk's such a good movie though. God damn, I love that movie. It is really good. It's also amazing to yeah. see in IMAX. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we didn't make that mistake again. Um, when Endgame came out or was it was in Infinity War? Maybe it was both, but we went to go. We went It was to- Infinity War. Yeah, we went to the Mississauga Cineplex because of the mm-hmm. fact that we had that bad experience at Landmark because it was just not, not up to snuff. But. Wasn't up to snuff, Simon. But Adrian, I tangented again. I want to know how did you like Dune, the Denis Villeneuve directed Dune movie?
1: Well, Simon, this is, I, I'm someone that I, I, don't, I know nothing about the Dune source material. Yes. Going into this movie, all I knew about Dune was that there's big sandworms. Yeah. And uh, that's really it. Like I, I actually know, knew nothing of the plot. I had no idea about like the world or or the premise of the uh, of this movie slash book or or anything like that. So I went into this movie like fully blind, pretty much, other than the sandworm thing. And goddamn, Simon, I think this movie's a goddamn masterpiece. Oh. I loved it. I think this movie's amazing. I think this world of Dune that Villa Dune is adapting is so interesting. And compelling and awesome and visually stunning. The cinematography is amazing. Everything about this movie, I I absolutely adored. And the one negative I have to say about this movie is that it's only two and a half hours. And when the movie ended, I was like, God damn, I wanted it to keep going. I wanted more. Like, I literally just wanted more. And I kept on thinking to myself, like, oh, man, I feel like I'm getting close to the end. Like, I don't want this movie to end. Like, there's still so much to tell. And th- this movie is very obviously a part one. Like, when the movie s- starts, it literally says Dune. And then it says part one under it and, like, a smaller subtitles. And I was like, oh, like, okay. So so they're making it very obvious. I, I already knew that going in. But, yeah, I don't know. I was – I really love this movie. I think all the characters are super interesting. And I liked, you know, getting to know these characters, albeit some of them I feel like I could have gotten to know more um i think the acting is amazing on every single front i think rebecca ferguson was probably the biggest standout for me i think uh yeah she's just phenomenal in this movie but again there's no weak link in it and uh yeah man i freaking love this movie i think it's i think it's fantastic and it really bums me out that we're probably gonna have to wait like three more years to see the sequel to it um but yeah as someone that has read the book or i guess listened to the audiobook. And knows a little bit more about the source material. What did you think, Simon?
0: So yeah, yeah. I, I listened to the audiobook on Audible. Um, I thought it was a good idea. I was gonna read it, but then it, I was driving a lot for work, and so I thought, let's yeah.
1: listen to it. You also don't know how to read. So is that?
0: Oh, wow. Oh the low blow, Adrian. Wow, it's not very nice. You know what is nice though? The name
1: the of episode the episode of this podcast. Y- yes, yeah.
0: Incredible. Um but yeah, I do. Uh, I do really like it as well, and it was really great to see in IMAX. Um, I, I really, I feel like I should just go to IMAX as often as I can. Any movie that's shot in IMAX, like this one with an actual IMAX camera, it's worth seeing in IMAX. And Deneval knew, obviously, he was very much against anybody seeing this movie on HBO Max before they had the option to see it in theaters because people just probably are inclined to just tune into HBO Max and. Uh, in the comfort mm-hmm. of their own home. And he believed that it was the the way he was shooting this, it was designed for the biggest screen possible. And that's something that I feel like mm-hmm. on the press tour, many of the actors have kind of said and relayed. And I would probably agree. So if you can see it in Ultra AVX near you or imax or whatever big theater name, because I think Ultra AVX is like a Canadian named thing mm-hmm. by Cineplex. I could be wrong. Maybe that's a maybe that's a brand like IMAX, but um, if you can see it on a big screen, go to the theaters. Instead of watching it on HBO Max in Canada, we you know, have no choice. We have to go to the theaters anyway. I would do that because yeah. it is epic. It is definitely epic.
1: It doesn't help as well that like um, Warner Brothers released it on HBO Max a day early as well. It's like it's kind of a spit in the face to Denny Villeneuve. Sorry, Denny Villeneuve. My apologies.
0: Denny, Denny Villeneuve.
1: <laughs> yeah evil A Nude, 69, baby.
0: Nice. Oh, wow. You are making quite a few references to this. I appreciate the, yeah. uh, the Of course. Of course, if it's 69 references, despite your short memory, you can do that. You can do that and you I won't can. forget the bit as we go on through the episode. No. It's good. It's good. It's good stuff. All right. But yeah, that's crazy. The fact that on HBO Max, they decided to post it one day early at 6 p.m., which is even crazier because I don't know if it even launched anywhere. Like in Canada here where we're living in Ontario, the earliest showtime that I saw was seven. So it's like a it's yeah, it a slap in the face in a way. Cause it's like, oh yeah, you don't want it to be you don't want it to be on streaming first or at the same time. We're gonna do it an hour early. Yeah. Dickish.
1: It's a dick move, man.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Warner Brothers, I'm kinda glad that Nolan ditched them. But I do want. Me too. I agree. It's with interesting. You. I, I want them to make this obviously into into part two. They need a part two. It's not completed, obviously. If you if you don't know that um, going into this, please be aware this movie does not conclude. Like it has no ending because it's obviously part one of two. So um, you'd have to expect yeah. to go back in in probably three years, as you said. And the crazy thing about it being three years is the likelihood of that happening is likely going to be the case, just because of the fact that. Um, he hasn't started shooting this yet, and it's not Evil News' fault. Warner Brothers no. uh, kind of held off; they held off greenlighting the project until they saw the numbers, the how much the movie made, and overseas, internationally. Before it launched on October 22nd, it actually made 130 million, roughly, which is pretty good, I would argue, um, mm-hmm. for not having opened in North America at all yet, and then. When it opened, I believe this opening weekend, they're thinking it's gonna be around thirty-three to forty million dollars. It will make in in the opening three-day weekend, mm-hmm. which is kind of four days with Thursday. Um, the pre-screen day. Yeah. But so it seems like it's gonna get green lit, especially because and Sarnoff, Warner Brothers, one of the Warner Brothers executives specifically said that it's looking good and they're going to specifically accommodate for the fact that it's on HBO max. So they're not like just screwing him over and trying to not have the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to realize that it's going to be a pretty good moneymaker. Cause I don't believe that his last movie blade runner 2049 did particularly well at the box office.
1: No, it didn't. Yeah. Like uh, commercially it didn't, I know it did like amazing critically well-deserved. That movie is phenomenal. That, that might be one of my favorite movies in that I watched recently like it, like that that came out you know what I mean yeah. um within the past like few years like it, it's it's definitely in my top like 5 movies if not you know my top
0: 1 it is amazing yes it's definitely
1: in my top 69 movies
0: oh, i can tell oh. you that
1: much and so is
0: dune wow wow yeah all right yeah um what i think of the movie cuz i feel like that's the question you asked me 20 minutes ago um it is the question i asked yeah yeah I really liked it. I did really like it. The music by Hans Zimmer, I mean, it's Hans Zimmer. It's otherworldly. Oh, baby. It's like we're transported to the world. And everything about the movie the production design, the costumes, the how they, again, the the classic Denis Villeneuve sweeping, you know, giant landscape shots. He does those so well. Every movie Mm -hmm. he's ever done. You can tell it's a Denis Villeneuve movie when he's got these really slow landscape. Pro, probably a drone shot not sure um of the horizon mm-hmm. and yeah shots of kaladin and and arrakis and again the costumes and the, the set design and the acting and it felt very much like an ensemble like no one was really too much of a focus which is interesting despite the fact that there's so much talent there's so mm-hmm. much skill acting skill in the cast um like for instance dave Batista's is barely on screen at all um this is interesting
1: yeah same with uh same with zendaya to be fair as well like i thought she was gonna have a much more prominent role but i guess she's gonna come in a little bit more in this in the sequel like the second part
0: yeah zendaya uh, is it zendaya are we saying her name wrong now
1: I don't know. You said Zendaya before and I was like, I did. I, I think
0: it? I just threw it off. I don't know why I said that. I, Cause I, I think I've been oh. saying that for years. Cause I always say Zendaya. I think it's Zendaya. I say Zendaya. Why do we well, not fine. know this?
1: I don't know, dude. Oh God. Look it up. Name
0: pronunciation. <laughs> we definitely have been saying Zendaya episode after episode. Yeah. It's Zendaya. Zendaya. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's what <laughs> I thought. Sorry. but Yeah. You said Zendaya. And then I, I was like, Oh, maybe I've been saying it wrong. I don't remember.
0: I don't know why. I do that yeah. when I when I've been saying it wrong for a long time. I have this tendency and when I say names wrong or words wrong, I have this tendency to go back to that pronunciation even though I know it the other way is right, only because I feel nervous about it and I'm like, "Now which way is right? I don't know." It's a weird situation. I don't remember. It makes me not confident in in the yeah. fact that it's correct the other way. Anyways, so it's indea. sorry. Yeah, she's not into much, but ultimately mm-hmm. That's kind of if you read the book. That's kind of obvious that that would that would have been one that I was like. That's why I was surprised. Like she's like very prominent in the marketing.
1: Yeah, she um, is. Yeah, yeah. Again, like she's barely yeah barely seen in the movie. Like yeah, and again as someone that knew nothing about this, I watched that initial trailer. I don't think I watched anything else after that first one because I was like, I'm sold on this. I'm going to watch it regardless. Like I'm a big fan of Deli- Denny villain nude movies and. uh You know, like I I was confident that I was going to probably enjoy this. So again, yeah, like I watched that first trailer. I went in blind. I haven't read any of the books. And I was quite surprised on like on multiple fronts. Um, I think the best way to put it for someone that has not read the source material or seen that uh, um, it was David Fincher, right? That directed that like original one back in the 70s. No, oh no, not David Fincher. I don't know why I said David Fincher. David Lynch. David Lynch. Sorry. Yeah, I knew it was one of the Daves. Um, that directed like, yeah, the one in the seventies. And and again, like, I think the best way to put this, this movie is Game of Thrones meets Star Wars is kind of how I. Like what I got from it, like watching this. Sure. I was like, there's Fair there's head. houses, there's cool spaceships. They're going to different planets. There's like a lot of political intrigue. And you're just kind of thrust into this situation. And like, you know, they're like talking about different houses and stuff. And obviously, like me, uh, like not knowing the context, I think they gave just enough context that I wasn't fully confused and I could follow along with the story. And it feels like you're kind of just, you know, throwing in an ad to a very living, breathing world but just at this specific moment and you're following along from here. And again, I think that was just done masterfully. Like, I, again, I think this movie is near perfect in, in every way for at least someone that doesn't know much about Dune. Like I, I wasn't left confused. I was left again, just wanting more and more. And I want more of this goddamn series. And uh, we talked about uh, HBO, um, then possibly doing like a Dune Series is that correct? Did I did I make that up in my brain, Simon?
0: You didn't, and I believe that was actually greenlit. It's supposed to follow the Benny Jesseret. and it's an interesting thing that it's a there's a series coming out for this because that's that's arguably my criticism of the movie. I just find that it, as you kind of said, like it just feels like it would be nice to have more, mm-hmm. and uh, it felt a little bit based on I guess whenever you read a book and then it's adapted, it's kind of you always kind of feel like. Arguably, something's been left out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue it would have been, I don't know, maybe better served to have maybe three movies, maybe make it a trilogy. I don't know. It's a weird one. It's a very action-packed. Like there's so much packed into this novel. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of when they make trilogies out of one book just because of The Hobbit. Um, yeah, fair enough. But there's so much detail in this this novel by Frank Herbert that I, I argue that it could, could have done with three movies and maybe made them each two hours instead, or mm-hmm. I would have gone for three hours. Like it was two and a half hours. And I, and there's just the thing for me that it was missing overall. Ultimately there's one scene in the book um, in which it's almost like a calm before the storm uh, type scenario. Uh, in almost like the same way that that game of Thrones episode is uh, just before the battle of Winterfell.
1: Yeah, it's the second episode of the last season, right? I believe yeah, that it's it. a very
0: tense episode, that episode, but it's also a very good character development episode, despite the fact mm. that we're ending the season. It's season eight, and we know this show is ending, and the, the series finale is looming. Um, but it's such a great episode. And that arguably, and I think you might agree, that is the best episode of season eight.
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It might be one of the best episodes of the entire series. Like, it's one of my favorites for sure. I think right. so fondly of that episode of Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. And so the, the the scene that's missing in in Dune is there's this dinner party banquet type scene. There's a lot of tension at this scene in this during the scene. But uh, Gurney Halleck, played by Josh Brolin, uh, in this particular iteration with Denis Villeneuve's Dune, he actually plays the baliset, like he plays an instrument. And there's a there's a lot of like these little intimate conversations between characters at this dinner banquet that are very tense because there's potentially you know, Harkin and Spies there. Uh, But at the same time, we get to see a little bit more of what's going on within Paul Atreides' head, who's played by Timothy Chalamet. And Mm -hmm. we get more of an insight of who Jessica is. And um, in this case, played by uh, Rebecca Ferguson. And um, I don't know, you get to see more of Duke Leto. The reason why I want that scene, and it is, it's a calm before the storm type scenario, is because it also just creates this like, almost a relief it it, the the one thing i didn't love about the movie is that it felt very gloomy like all the way through which is okay because that is kind of the story of dune Mm -hmm. but that particular scene in the book for me it it, i don't know it cemented this this kind of character development i was really feeling these characters in this in the scene and i really understood kind of where their heads were at and i thought that maybe things might be okay for the house atreides and it's, a, it's a, If you don't know the story of Dune, just briefly, I'm going to not spoil anything. I'm just going to give you the beginning premise. Is House Atreides is given stewardship of this planet called Arrakis that has a specific spice. Think of it as like oil. <laughs> and they are basically given um, stewardship of this planet and they have to mine this spice so that they can fuel the spaceships of the Empire, essentially. It's a mm-hmm. really, really important spice. Initially, though... House Harkonnen was supposed to be on this planet, but they were kicked off for some reason. And Atreides, which is also a very powerful house, was told to be a steward of this planet instead. And so Duke Leto, and played by Oscar Isaac, and Timothy Chalamet, who plays Paul Atreides, they have to go to this planet and do this job. But this planet is ruthless. It's like a it's a terrible planet. It's just a, mm-hmm. a hot desert. And there are giant worms, like sand worms, there, and it's not a hospitable place at all. But being House Tradeys, they take this, you know, this honor, and they go to do this. And it's again all that intrigue, and and there's a lot of tension because this is a very valuable planet, despite the fact that it's inhospitable. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so there's, there's so much tension. You don't know what's going to go. You can get, like cut it with a knife, kind of thing, and that's why I really wanted that character development scene with the, with this calm before the storm banquet Mm kind of just before shit hits the fan. And I, I was kind of surprised that the scene was removed. I looked online to see what other people thought about it being removed. And some people were like, why would you put that in? It's useless filler. And then some were like, no, it's really important because of the character development which I was saying. And it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like a mixed bag of what people think of this, particular scene in the book yeah and, fair uh, enough. again i just think add 15 minutes add the scene in and you also add this other perspective to paul i i love timothy chalamet's performance as paul he's so good man he's amazing yeah. and it, so is his hairiography as well it's i like that on point
1: um <laughs> he does have really nice hair
0: <laughs> his hair but his hair is always like in front of his face in like a very very specific way you notice that mm. if he's fighting in a you know sword fight or whatever yeah, uh, yeah, Super nice. Anyways, new term. Um, you coined. That. I like. But that. yeah, I think Paul was great. Uh, sorry, like Timothy Chalamet did a great job. But again, that scene would have just lent itself a little better because you would have seen more about really flesh out more about these really interesting characters before all hell breaks loose, kind of thing. Because the conflict starts arising, and they did spend a lot of time like on Kaladin in the very beginning of the of the movie, which was great. And I think that that was really solid. I think Denis Villeneuve took his time there and mm-hmm. it's great. And again, all of the cinematography by Greg Fraser is so, so beautiful. He did such a great job. Greg Fraser, by the way, is the cinematographer for the Batman as well. So oh, that's something sweet. to can really look forward great. to. He works with Matt Reeves, like director Matt Reeves a lot. So yeah, again, loved it. That's my only criticism is that I know that people want shorter movies. I know that's a criticism. Everyone wants it to be shorter, but I just don't have that kind of short attention span. Mm -hmm. And this is an epic. And I want to kind of get, just solidify the motivations of these main characters like Paul Atreides just a little bit more by developing their characters a little bit more by having these conversations between these really cool characters. Like Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa, I think did an amazing job. I mm-hmm. loved Gurney Halleck, played by Josh Brolin. I just, uh, I kind of, it's weird. I, I watched this movie and I'm like, wow. I, this is how I picture these characters. You know, ne- you never really solidify. I feel like what you picture characters are when you're reading a book or listening to an audiobook. But as you watch a movie that's aptly made, that's done very competently, mm-hmm. they kind of solidify this concept, and you kind of see those people the next time you read the book or if you read a sequel or whatever. And uh, it kind of happened with like Hermione Granger with Emma Watson or like even Daniel Radcliffe with Harry Potter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, did you read Harry Potter? I don't remember.
1: I read uh, Philosopher's Stone. Okay. That's about it. After or before you watched the movies? It was after. Definitely after. I, I, I was in like high school when I read that first one. I read it with like my ex-girlfriend, like my, oh. my high school girlfriend. Okay, cool. I read that in Hunger Games with her actually. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah, like I, I obviously like I don't have that perspective of like what was missing from the book. So like to me, like uh, I thought I thought all the character development was great. And I and I had I still wanted more of it, like I like I mentioned, um, but I didn't felt like feel like anything was missing, at least for me. And like, honestly, like after finishing this movie, I was super tempted. I was like, God damn it. I like I want to know what happens. And I was tempted to maybe pick up this audiobook on Audible. But at the same time, like I just, I want to be surprised. I want to know, like, like I have no idea where the story is going to go. I have like absolutely no idea, and I and I want to be to have that experience when, you know, Dune Part Two comes out, um, to have this like same sort of like amazing experience where I was just surprised and again enamored during that entire like two and a half hour movie, and um, yeah, goddamn, I honestly could have sat there for like six hours easy. <laughs> like if, if they, if the quality kept up that, that good. Um, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like that was the thing that Denis Villeneuve was talking about as well. When he was talking about part two is that the main thing will be quality. doesn't matter mm-hmm. when he gets the green light, whenever, whatever, whatever time that is, he will go into it just full force. There's no half measures with Denis Villeneuve. That's what mm-hmm. he was kind of mentioning, which I do really appreciate about him and his filmmaking style. But yeah, like, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, she was on the other foot. We talked weeks ago about how it's kind of silly to completely put your preconceived notions after reading a book yeah. on, as, a, as, a, as an expectation on a movie that comes out. Because it's just not enough time. And you have to kind of take it as its own. Mm-hmm. Like You have to look at the movie as its own thing in a, in a way. And I do. I do do that. But I just, I even look at like Oscar Isaac's screen time. Mm-hmm. It's not, not, it's not bad. He's in it a lot, but there's so many cast members, right? Like it's, it's just so many people to bounce, bounce scenes off of. There's mm-hmm. just so many characters So it's just uh, one of those things I I wish it was a TV series. And I think you do too, honestly. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I definitely do because I I just want more of this. If I could have watched this like week to week, maybe like, you know, like maybe like a six six episode or eight episode miniseries because I I can definitely see where you could have expanded on more things in this movie and, you know, maybe given a little bit more exposition. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I I love it, though. Just to be clear. Me too. It's a brilliant movie.
1: Yeah, it's my favorite movie of the year for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a brilliant adaptation. It's just that one scene. It's the only scene. And, and obviously, they removed other scenes. There, mm-hmm. There's so many other scenes they removed. And I think he chose really great content to put in this movie. He only mm-hmm. had two and a half hours. Like, what are you going to do? And mm-hmm. he he really did hit the nail on the head. But that's the one I think that if I were making this movie and I was Denis Villeneuve, I'd be like, that scene, it stood out to me. Honestly, mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is that I was waiting for that scene to, before the movie started, that moment is so ingrained in my brain because of how well it was done in the book that I couldn't forget it. And it just, I don't know, it, it resonated with me in such a big way that when it was missing, I was like, oh, oh. I was like looking forward to it.
1: Ah, so that, that's your worry with me with No Way Home or Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange one.
0: Well, I, I think you're legitimately not going to like the movie. I, I love I like this movie. It. I do love it. I I don't, it's the only thing that kind of got me because everything else was like, I could take it or leave it. Well, not everything. There's, there's things you have to put in this literally. Uh, Otherwise it wouldn't be doing anymore. But um, that particular moment uh, that that banquet to me was, was crucial. I'm curious if there's anyone else listening to this podcast that has uh, any take on that. I'm curious right into us. Just uh, don't, don't be too spoiler heavy because we just can't read it if it's too spoiler heavy. Yeah. And that's the, actually the only thing. If you write into us at, Focus podcast at gmail.com, about anything, the only thing we will not specifically relay on this podcast would be spoilers. That is yeah. the only thing that we definitely will not do. Unless we're doing in a Closer Look episode, which is like a bonus series of our SpillFocus Focus of Film and TV podcast, we're not going to spoil anything uh, unless it's like something that aired years ago. Yeah. So we're very careful about that. We try to only talk about things that like literally were shown in the trailer. If it was shown in the trailer, it was fair game. Otherwise we're probably not going to, to, to say too much, too yeah. much in detail uh, with the talk of spoilers. Just briefly, Adrian, I just want to tell you not doing related at all. Be careful about Eternals. I don't know if you know this already, but they spoiled the end credit scene. What? Yeah. It's all over the internet. So just be careful on Instagram. Be careful on whatever, TikTok, whatever you kids are into these days. All right. Because it's, It's bad. There's an end credit scene leak, and it's everywhere. And uh, my girlfriend knows what the end credit scene is. And I try to look up. I just try to look up how it got leaked because I've been very frustrated with Disney lately. I just feel like they're not doing a good job with this. They're just not. They're leaking Mm -hmm. their own. They're, They're literally spoiling their own TV shows like Loki.
1: Yeah, like and, after like two days of it airing or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
0: one day, one day. Sometimes the day after they'll show scenes from the from the from the series. In terms yeah. of two days, I think it was Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. They showed a crucial scene in a in a clip on Facebook, and I was like shocked. I was like literally shocked. I'm like, you, this is your own movie. Like, stop spoiling your movie. Stop spoiling your TV series. Like, what if I didn't have the chance to go on Disney Plus and watch Loki yet, yeah. or Captain Captain Falcon and the Winter Man. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And Kenneth Statler wrote into me, like he, he was just messaging me on Facebook, actually, and he specifically mentioned that Encanto, the Disney movie, was spoiled from yeah, the trailer.
1: Yeah. yeah, he told me. Yeah, he specifically t- uh, messaged me as well. He's like, "Don't watch the latest Encanto uh, trailer because it tells the entire like plot of the movie." I was like, "Just idiot." I was like, "One of the things I liked about that trailer is I have no freaking clue what this movie is
0: about." The first trailer, you mean? Encanto. The fr- I'm, I'm saying you. You watched the first trailer, or yeah, didn't watch the, the trailer that he talked about?
1: No, no, I didn't watch the trailer that he talked about. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's crazy. You just be careful about Eternals, and that's for everybody out there. Like,
1: well, thanks for the warning, man. I had no idea that like spoilers were already out for that movie. It's in two weeks. We got to wait two
0: freaking weeks. It's bullshit. I know, I know. So you got to like dodge bullets for two weeks. It's tough with social media. Like, I don't know why people find it useful to spoil things on the internet though i don't people
1: are just dicks man the one thing i was so grateful for is like uh, i know we're, Sorry, Ken. in advance we're talking about video games real quick but the last of us part two like that game like a lot of story elements leaked like months before the launch and i remember i literally just went on like a social media hiatus like i like blocked words on all on my twitter i barely opened twitter i think i deleted the app actually at one point because i was like it's too close i can't risk it uh i was super super afraid yeah like i I don't there's something weird that people just like spoiling shit people just like being pieces of shit and power uh, yeah
0: i think it's the same reason people don't like wearing masks though you know what i mean like if if it's mandated i mean like in a certain area like they obviously people don't like wearing masks at all like that's it sucks to wear masks and no one's in
1: i'm not going into work being like hell yeah i can't wait to cover half my face with this piece of shit fabric
0: (laughs) right right, exactly but i feel like when it's mandated in a region like in ontario it has been for retail locations as an, as an example. People not wearing them, I feel like it makes them feel powerful. And like, no offense to those who are doing that. I just, i it's mm. a power trip thing. I just don't know how you're not embarrassed. But they're not because they get the feel, like again, they think it's for a cause that they believe is real, but it, ultimately it makes them feel like they have a certain power over other people. I had one, like I, when I was working in retail, I had one individual who was actually walking near people with masks on purpose and they were running away from him, like trying to avoid him because they were, they he was literally saying how he had COVID.
1: Oh, I would have I would have slit that person's throat.
0: And he again, he's just like a person who just didn't want to leave the retail location. He just wanted to stay there no matter what. And it's like this is what it is, right? You wouldn't have threatened slit his throat. Like I'm, I'm just gonna I would
1: have. No, I would have baked have. blood, and then I would have wrote
0: in the middle of the store
1: or yeah, and then I would have written wrote nice on the ground.
0: <laughs> oh wow, you gotta bring it back. Reel yeah. it back.
1: Bring it back, baby.
0: That was quite the tangent. It was. But the point is. Be careful about spoilers for Eternal. Thanks. It is it is crucial if you care about that. But and also try not to spoil it for other people. That's that's one of those weird things. That's why I'm saying um, that Disney doesn't have it going on with that right now. Because when you look at Sony, they launched that Venom sequel, Venom: Let There Be Carnage, and Tom Hardy, I think it was, posted on on Instagram, maybe maybe even Twitter. He wrote, "No spoilers, please. Like, be careful." And it's like the movie hadn't come out yet and there's barely anything to spoil in that movie. So, exactly. <laughs> Kevin Feige's yeah. been saying that Eternals is going to change and rock the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And no one said anything that I've seen, no none of this massive all-star cast has said, "Hey guys, try not to spoil it and ruin it for everyone else." It's it's odd. I don't get yeah. it. I, there's like, a, again, it's like Sony cares about that clearly. And I wonder if maybe that's their experience with The Last of Us Part Two and various video games. And they've got, a, they've got a huge pedigree of these massive mm-hmm. movies as well, but so does Disney obviously. And Disney just doesn't, doesn't seem to care as much as, as they did. I swear, like the Russo brothers, when Endgame was coming out, they wrote the same thing on, on social media. They said, don't yeah. spoil it. I don't know if you remember that.
1: I do. I do. I do specifically, yeah.
0: I don't remember. I don't see that with Eternals. So I, maybe I'm mistaken, but it's very frustrating that I have I have a little bit of a spoiler as well. I know a, a piece of it. Oh, no. That, uh, it's not that crucial, but I, it's frustrating because, like, why do I have to deal with that? But anyway, yeah. back to Dune briefly. In my opinion, oh. Dune's amazing. Um, yeah. I don't mean to disparage it by saying that it needed that banquet scene. I just think it's, it's really good, and it would have been great if it had that. Um, and I was saying also right into us, if you have any context on that banquet scene, if you think it belonged in the, in the movie, but, uh, Adrian, do you have anything else to say about Dune?
1: Um, not really. I, I mean, the one thing I do want to add, uh, it's not uh, necessarily a plot point. I think like just the, the world itself is super cool. Like those spaceships and like, you know, them traveling oh, yeah. to different uh, planets and all that. I think the designs are amazing and like the weapons they use are super cool. I love the idea that they have this weird, like, force field armor that can only be penetrated by like almost like slow movement going through it so you have to like push really hard through it and then like you know you stab people i love that sort of aspect and you know like that nobody uses guns i guess because of that sort of thing and i don't know i, I really liked it I, I think i think this world's awesome and and I'm glad I'm experiencing it for the first time through uh Dennyville and Nude's for,
0: for sure. Yeah. That's a really good call out too. the, the yep. force fields and the guns and the ships and the, like all of that, again, the production design, the armor it's so unique. And I, I you mentioned this earlier that it's kind of like a star Wars meets game of Thrones. That's a mm. pretty good, pretty good way to think about Dune as like a, a whole as a franchise, but I, I would have to say, like as Star Wars goes, the beauty of Star Wars going into Star Wars Episode One, whatever Star Wars Episode Four, whatever A New yeah. Hope, the first Star Wars by George Lucas. The beauty of that movie was how unique it was and crazy it was at the time in the nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. It's just so unique, and it, it's there's nothing like it, nothing else like it. And you're thrown into this world, and you're like, here, catch, kind of thing. Like you, you don't really know what's going to happen. Um, and because you just aren't familiar with anything, they're just going into everything kind of new. And the argument for why the prequels aren't as good is because they're kind of explaining everything. (laughs) They're like, there's this world that you kind of already know. And now we're going to just dive deeper into smaller details and Mm -hmm. break some of the magic. And that's arguably why people don't necessarily love the prequels as much. I love the prequels still, but I, you know, I'm not in the majority. So that's kind of the beauty of this is it's like that first episode, the very first in chronological history of the world order of Star Wars, mm-hmm. first episode of Star Wars that was ever made is that it's you're thrown into this world and everything, production design, the costumes are completely unique in a way that nothing has ever been like this. And so mm-hmm. Dune kind of does this a similar thing. It's got very unique costume design, very unique weapons, those force fields. I haven't really seen anything like that. Before, like the personal force field type thing mm-hmm. with the fighting with those on, I again, it's lots of really cool stuff that Denis Villeneuve and his team pulled together. And Hans Zimmer's score, honestly, is pretty damn unique as well. It's really yeah. like interesting. He's never done anything quite like this. That drum beat type, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Very like, yeah. I I just think of a now, and I think of that. It's like a bongo drum quick bongo drum in succession beat that he's got at the beginning of a lot of his tracks. It's just awesome. And again, very unique and otherworldly. Otherworldly indeed. So Adrian, do you recommend this movie?
1: Oh, 100%, man. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Again, this is easily my favorite movie of the year. Um, Oh, well, maybe
0: cool. Yeah.
1: Like I, I, I absolutely adored it. I I love everything Denny Villadun's ever done. I think Denny Villadun is one of the greatest directors of our generation. And uh, I cannot wait for the sequel to this. I, I literally cannot wait. If I could time travel, I would. Cool. That's great. You, Simon, would you recommend this?
0: Oh, 100%. I kind of want to watch it again. Oddly. Me too.
1: Me too. I was thinking about it all day.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yesterday I was thinking today. about it too. I was curious. Again, your perspective, because you haven't read the book, is really unique to me and very interesting. And so I'm, I'm glad I was able to talk to you about this on mm-hmm. this podcast because we got two- divergent opinions because one of us has read it and one of us hasn't so you got to Mm -hmm. almost like you know you're a baby i am a baby the eyes of a babe watching Mm -hmm. this film and i don't have that i have this like not a bitter view but a little bit more of a experienced view because i've just read it i've I've Mm -hmm. heard it i guess but it's cool it's it's a neat neat perspective but yeah I'd, i'd be down to go see it again probably if you're down of course, we won't talk.
1: Oh, dude, I'm so down.
0: In the theater, because we don't talk outside this podcast, but we can sit next to each other silently.
1: Yeah. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe 69 in the theater. Who knows?
0: Uh, f- no, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Because I want to see do, and I don't want to get thrown yeah. out. I want to actually <laughs> see the full two and a half hours. That's the main reason.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Totally understandable. Otherwise, you totally would.
0: Uh, no comment. All right, Adrian. Oh, have you watched wow. anything else this week? Uh,
1: but yes, I mean, I, I have watched other things this week. Oh, yeah. How many? Uh, thousands. Thousands of things. But if we're talking about movies and TV shows... Nice. Yeah. Nice indeed. I should have said 69 things. <laughs> what a missed opportunity. What a dumbass move of my part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <I love laughs> why you just went with it after I said nice. You didn't even know why I was saying nice. Yeah.
1: Come on. Uh, but yeah, I did watch quite a few things. Um, one of those things, Simon, is a movie... That's actually a video game movie called Werewolves Within.
0: Yes, the yeah, adaptation of the yeah. VR Ubisoft game, Werewolves Within, which mm-hmm. is which is actually produced by Ubisoft as well. Mm-hmm. I saw it as well, because it, it, it just hit Netflix, so we both yeah, yeah. coincidentally saw it.
1: Yeah, no communication whatsoever.
0: Of course, uh, that, that would never happen. And outside this podcast, on this podcast, lots of communication. It's literally the whole thing, but yeah. outside, no. And uh,
1: it's uh it's pretty good. It, it pretty much like the premise of the movie is um, uh, a, a guy that's like a like a police officer. He he, ranger. I guess like, a police ranger. What's the difference?
0: Uh he's like he works he works in like the you know the backwoods. He's working in the small towns that don't necessarily they have got like one electrical line in, and if it you know <laughs> it falls uh-huh. over, or breaks because a lightning strike happens, then the town's out of power. Yeah, like. I don't know, maybe more resourceful depends, I guess, on the ranger. But
1: yeah, but, um, but yeah, like he, he moves to this small town full of like unique characters. And in this town, um, like murders start happening. And, uh, you know, people are like, oh, like who is the murderer? It seems like there might be a werewolf or some shit because like, you know, it's like this big creature that people think they're seeing and that's like cutting things or, you know, with their claws, like destroying generators and stuff. And uh, they pretty much make this like premise into like a like a, almost like a classic whodunit, like a like a Knives Out or like a Agatha Christie novel sort of thing. And I, I think they uh, succeed in doing that. I think this movie is quite fun. It's it's pretty interesting. It's quite funny. It's definitely um relo- like it goes into like a like a more comedy aspect. You know, Sam Richardson's the main character, and he's he's an awesome actor. I think he's hilarious in most of the things he's in, and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought this movie was uh, quite interesting. I think the cast of characters in it um, are all unique in their own way, although you know some of them are you know fairly like predictable sort of um, maybe not predictable is the right word, but you know uh, kind of, like you've seen these sort of character outlines in other movies. They're not not many of them are really well defined. They most of them stay fairly two dimensional throughout the movie and stuff like that. Uh, other than Sam Richardson, um, realistically. And I don't know, like, I, I didn't love this movie. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I really didn't love it. Uh, but I think it's an enjoyable watch and worth, I guess, the watch, especially if it's, like, free on Netflix for you. Uh, what did you think of this movie, Simon?
0: I really liked it. And my girlfriend really liked it as well. We watched it together, and it's, like, an 85% of Rotten Tomatoes, so it seems like people like it generally, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Um, doesn't necessarily mean everything because you didn't love it. Yeah, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like there's like again it's a horror comedy and Sam Richardson's really good in everything I see him in. Like mm-hmm. since I've seen him in Veep, I think that he's just great. Everything I watch him in, he's the to me the best part of the movie that we don't really like Tomorrow War. Mm-hmm. I think he's my favorite part about it. Oh, easily. And he's really good in this too. And I I like I like this idea. This is cool. Like you're trying to guess who who did it. Yeah. Is there is there werewolves within? We we don't know. It's, it's a question, and like it it makes you think for sure whether there's a werewolf or not, and mm-hmm. the werewolves could be real. And who's who's a mur- is there a murderer loose? Yeah, killing people. We don't know anything. We we're, we're just confused, like what's happening. And they've we've got a pretty good collection of people. Like they all got these different occupations. You got you gotta oil oil magnate in the crowd who's trying mm-hmm. to like convince all these people to sell their land so they can get a big payout um, but then at the same time you've got an activist a scientist biologist there as well who obviously doesn't want that to happen and that's why she's in town in this small town in the middle of the woods and then there's there's all these people that are just like again they obviously live there their whole lives there's an mm-hmm. innkeeper whose husband left her I don't know it's just cool I, There's and I honestly didn't guess really i don't know if you predicted the the twist but i didn't
1: oh you didn't i I just didn't know no i didn't know Uh, so that that was actually what i wanted to ask you
0: it was it was throwing me off multiple times it it specifically tries to throw you for a loop that's kind of the beauty of it
1: so i guessed it pretty much right off the bat like fairly early on uh there's a couple of lines of dialogue that i felt like were a little bit heavy-handed by like one particular character and i was like oh that person's the the werewolf I literally am like, like it was within the first like 20, 30 minutes of the movie. I'm not even joking. So uh, at that point I was like, I was, I was confident um, that I knew what the twist was going to be. So I was kind of just like, I'm just on for the ride and I'm pretty sure I'm right. And at the end of the movie, I was right uh, about who it was. Um, and again, like it, it was like little things that were I almost felt like it was too obvious, but obviously like if you didn't get it, then, then maybe it was just like, they just did enough hints that maybe some people wouldn't. Some people did. Did your girlfriend get it? Like, did she guess no, it?
0: I don't believe oh, no? so. No. Yeah. I don't know. We, so I'm
1: I'm the smartest out of you three.
0: We were watching the movie while we were eating. So maybe we just were missing that. But I I, I think that they did a pretty bang up job, you know, a pretty good job of building up all of the different characters to make it seem like they could be the, the culprit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like obvious. That there's some kind of, Bad person afoot, yeah. and you kind of you you don't I don't know it's it, it I, I I don't think that it was obvious I I, I don't know I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't see that but I I don't know I I wasn't just going full detective to try and guess it I think I was trying to guess it throughout and I don't think that it ever struck me as this is extremely obvious to the mm-hmm. point whereas I, I am hundred percent sure this is going to happen by the end that never happened to me throughout watching this I don't know
1: but, fair uh, enough I, I was detective mode the entire time I was like I'm gonna figure this out.
0: Well, I was going to figure it out because you do. (laughs) Naturally, you would because you're watching this movie. It's a whodunit. Any movie that's a whodunit, just like Knives Out as an example or Mm -hmm. Murder on the Orient Express, you're trying to figure out who did it. But they did a good enough job to point multiple directions that I argued that. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, I think you argued the opposite. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, there's just a couple lines of dialogue, uh, spoken by a specific character and, and the way like specific shots were handled. I was like, oh yeah, I, I can, I, I, I can see where they're setting it up. And again, I think that's both a testament to the movie because obviously you didn't pick up on those things. So they were giving hints to the audience that weren't, I guess, totally obvious. Maybe I was just hyper focused on it. But yeah, I don't know. I think the movie itself is like quite good. Like I, I do like it. I don't think it's amazing um I, I think it's you know like it's a fun watch like there's it, it's pretty short as well it's only like an hour and a half like so it's a good bite-sized movie there's quite a few like good laughs like I, I laughed out loud multiple times in the movie um like some of the lines of dialogue were just ridiculous and the way these these eccentric characters interact with one another i think was really well done like i, I again i don't think there's much negative to say about this movie i just i just don't find it fantastic um to follow up i guess like do you think this is the greatest video game movie of all time, Simon? Well, there's that yeah. Super
0: Mario Brothers movie. It's absolutely yeah, incredible. Awesome.
1: It's amazing. Never <laughs> nothing nothing as good as that.
0: So clearly, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to go back on this, but I I was thinking probably, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah? a weird one though because this is not really this is not really a video game adaptation. Simon, Simon, Simon. It is. I don't know that this is. I know this is a VR game, but ultimately this is that VR game is based on the game Werewolf, which was like a tabletop you know, it type scenario where everyone gets mm-hmm. a card and they guess who the werewolf is. So mm-hmm. it kind of, I'm, I'm sure if I played the video game, I'd be like, this is not, nothing like the movie. Like there's no character similarities at all. And that's not really what the point is. Like they got yeah. the premise down. It's a weird one to call like the greatest video game movie adaptation of all time mm-hmm. though. <laughs> just because of, of the fact that it's definitely based on werewolf, the yeah card game. Yeah, fair enough. So yes, if you're going to look at it raw, yes, mm. this is a great. And, and then I'm sure in a week I'll be like, oh, wait, there was that movie, Sonic the Hedgehog, that I loved. I, I didn't watch it, so I don't know. It's awesome. Pikachu oh, was movie. really good. I think you probably think the Pikachu, Detective Pikachu, was the re- greatest video game movie adaptation. I do. You guessed it right,
1: Simon. That is my favorite video game movie. If it's like video game adaptation, if we're counting like TV series as well, I'd probably say Castlevania. But again, I never played the Castlevania Games. I just really like that show. I think that show's awesome. Right. I do love Detective Pikachu. But yeah, I think this movie's good. I think it's worth watching. Nothing special. I don't think it's anything spectacular. I don't think you have to go run out and see it. But you know, if you're bored and you want something that's kind of funny, you know, it's spooky season, it's it's Halloween season. You wanna you want you don't want to watch a fully like horror slasher movie, but you still want to watch something that, you know, kind of fits the theme. I think this is a good choice. I think this is a good choice.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Speaking of running out and seeing it. I've been watching <gasps> C season two. Whoa.
1: You should have called it C Zen two.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> you could just say that for every season. Season one. Yeah. You season <laughs> three. <laughs> you season four. You literally could. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I don't want to say that much about it, but uh, the plot's still janky as shit. But uh, uh, that's too bad. It is what it is. They, they just have these moments where I'm just like, they're just. I don't know. I don't know if I believe some of the the plot lines. They don't they don't it doesn't convince me. Some of the characters make stupid decisions, the lines don't make a lot of sense and and then they reel me back in with certain aspects. One particular aspect, the combat is absolutely brutal. It's mm-hmm. absolutely brutal and it's ridiculous and Jason Momoa does a great job with his fight choreography, honestly. It it it's great. That part is really really good. And the funny thing is I don't know why I didn't notice that. We just started C season two or season two. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just before we went to go, or I drove out to the IMAX theater to go watch Dune. And it's Jason Momoa versus Dave Bautista. Oh, it and is. is. Yeah, in Dune, they're pitted against each other in Dune. They're on, well, they're not pitted against each other, but they're, they're on in other opposite houses. houses. Yeah. You know, the opposite houses and in this, they're literally, they're opposing forces uh, that's the most interesting thing about that in season two because mm-hmm. those are such big actors at this point, Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista, that it's, they're, they're definitely headliners. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see them play off of each other. That's probably the most intriguing part so far about season two. That's kind of what reeled me back in because I wasn't completely sold from season one. I do think that the production values are great. The cinematography is really good. It's just some of the writing doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know if I told you this, but they, they make a time jump and it's like a very long time, but the characters look the same.
1: Oh yeah, I think you mentioned
0: that when you were talking about the first season. Maybe yeah, they barely look aged. And but how would you? You're not going to spend that much money on CG like the Irishman. You're not going to age them up like Robert De Niro.
1: Mm.
0: It just doesn't make sense or age them down, I guess. But in this case, it, yeah, it's very strange. It, it's jarring, and there's a couple things like that. Even with the travel, traveling between cities is kind of. It's a little weird, the timing of the travel. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and I, it bothers me a little bit. But it's not again, it's not mm. bad to the point where I, I'm still watching it. So clearly, it's hooked me in some way. The production value is just like every other Apple TV Plus show are really good on this but anyways i digress i was going to talk about this for three seconds and i've talked about it for three
1: 69 seconds
0: oh hey, wow nice oh this guy's just making these references all podcast all right Adrian, oh. what else did you watch this week anything else uh yes yeah, simon so i finished only murders in the building season one. Oh, nice yes. me too I did, yeah. I did that as well i did didn't mention but i watched episode 10
1: oh oh i, I only watched up till episode 8 because you mentioned that was the season finale No, you didn't. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I watched all 10 episodes, and this show's amazing. This show's awesome. I really love it. Uh, I talked a bit about it last week, and you've talked it to death, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But again, the chemistry between Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez is amazing. I think they play off each other so well. I love the relationship between these three characters, and I love how, like... How this story kind of unfolds, and how they all interact with one another, and how new characters get folded in, and how they all communicate. I think this show is very fantastic. And you mentioned that episode seven is a standout in this season, and I, I agree with you. That episode's really awesome. They do something like wholly unique that I haven't really seen in a show before, and I I really really liked that episode and the way it kind of folds into the rest of the series. And uh, you did mention like, oh, like if you watch season eight or sorry episode eight you'll understand like why i would think that's a season finale i disagree with you on that front i'll be honest with you i was like this this feels like there's more to be told but yeah well Um, well,
0: yes that's why it's
1: got 10 episodes yeah
0: a season two queued up there's literally season two queued up i know i can't wait think about it though for a second the same thing happened in season as episode 10 that happened in episode eight the same thing
1: yeah yeah actually you make a good point (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, that's what I was saying. I thought it was the Fair last enough. episode. Touche. Yeah. Look, look, it obviously could could have been wrapped up better, obviously. But I mm-hmm. thought they were queuing up like a cliffhanger for season two. That's what I thought they were doing. I, obviously, it's not the end of the story. I didn't think, mm-hmm. oh, this is episode eight. This has got to be the end of the story. I thought, no, this is a queue up for season two. They've wrapped up somewhat of the story and they're going to move on and mm-hmm. – Solve it in, in season two. Anyway, that, that was not the case regardless. So yeah, I, I was wrong. I, I ate my humble pie last week. I corrected we that, okay? I was incorrect. What'd you say? We were wrong. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were wrong. But you, you went for the we were wrong yeah. again. That the whole bit you're playing where somehow my mistakes are your mistakes and your mistakes are my mistakes but exactly
1: you're getting it man you're getting it now i
0: don't buy that shit anyway did you watch anything else or do you have anything else to say about only murders in the building
1: um no not necessarily again awesome mystery really great show highly recommended it's on apple sorry not apple tv disney plus uh here in canada on the star portion of it uh and i believe hulu in the states Yes. Um, but I think I actually do want to add on something because I remember you mentioning how there's just like a lot of Apple products in the show. Yeah. And You're yeah, right. I was picking up on that too. I was
0: like, was this supposed
1: to be an Apple TV Plus original?
0: Like, I do it, I, wonder. Yeah. The moment where Selena Gomez is, is on an iPad with an Apple Pencil, I was like, I don't understand yeah. <laughs> how it isn't. That is very strange. I don't think even I've seen, I, I might've, might but I don't recall an Apple TV plus show in which somebody has an Apple pencil with their iPad yeah. and drawing something. I don't remember. Maybe there is one, but I don't remember.
1: Yeah, I mean, but uh, anyways, awesome show. Highly recommended. Uh, like three episodes ago, I mentioned that I was watching sex education season three um, and that, Oh yeah, I'll talk about it next week, and then I just forgot to talk about it entirely. Uh, I finished it, Sex Education season three. I finished it like literally two, three weeks ago. Great show, I really love it. It's a Netflix original show. Um, it's essentially just a. It takes place in the UK. Uh, follows like a bunch of high school students. Um, the main character, his name's Otis, and his mother is uh, like a like a sexual therapist. Like she she's big into you know. Um, talking about sex and, you know, uh, practicing safe sex and, t- and, and, you know, informing children and sorry, not children, I guess, teens and stuff about that sort of uh, thing and writes like books about it. And again, gives therapy to couples and stuff like that, or, you know, people that are looking to expand on their like sexual knowledge. And the premise of the show is, you know, Otis, her, her son decides to start like a sex clinic at his high school and give advice to people that are like, you know, uncomfortable or looking to you know, like have sex with people and how to practice sex or, you know, talk about like, oh, like my, like, I can't get hard when I'm like with my girlfriend and stuff. And, you know, he like walks them through things like that. And it's a very, um, very awesome show. I really like it. It's it's quite funny. Um, it's quite heartfelt. Uh, there's a very um, diverse cast of characters, uh, not only in terms of like race, but like sexual orientation and things like that. And it honestly taught me quite a bit about Uh, a lot of different things, um, you know, um, including like just things like, you know, how families act in specific countries or, or, you know, their religion and how it affects like how they act sexually and things like that. And again, it's, it's a really great show. I think it's, it, I think it's really funny and uh, it's definitely worth the watch. And yeah, season three just continues where season two left off and, you know, there's that typical like sort of teen drama, but it's a lot more interesting than like a like a Riverdale as an example and it seems a little bit more realistic and these characters are you know like swearing and just you know acting way more teen-like and more accurate to like how a kid really would act as opposed to like you know Riverdale where it's like people are just like killing each other for whatever reason and there's murders going on and that like super hyped up drama and stuff like that and yeah I don't know and witches, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? They're bringing in a witch to that Riverdale show,
0: Sabrina, the teenage witch. Yeah, yeah.
1: Anyways, I never watch Riverdale. I just see like those those cringe compilations, which are so funny. You ever watch any of those cringe compilations about Riverdale on YouTube? I have not. Oh man, they're they're hilarious. I like see some of them. the The, the big one is like, uh, the big one is like this guy. He's like on like a football field or something like that, and he's like, you know, I dropped out of school when I was like seven or 12 or whatever, to to run uh, drugs to get money for my, like, sick grandmother. And, like, the one character is like, well, that just means that you never experienced the highs and lows of college football or high school football or some shit like that. And it's like, someone (laughs) wrote this. It's like, what? Wow. That's brutal. It's brutal. I'm sure you could find it online. Um, But, yeah, Sex Education, I highly recommend it. It got renewed for season four, so I'm very excited for that. And, uh, yeah, it's really great. It's really great. And then, oh, man, uh, I watched – a lot, apparently. Damn. I, I did watch a lot, Simon. It's, it's one of those weeks, man. I watched the um you know what? I'm gonna save I'm gonna save these two for next week because I kinda okay. wanna watch this the, the movie that's in theaters. That's a sequel to these two movies. And next week is the day after Halloween, so it seems a little bit more fitting. Spoiler alert, I watched the nineteen seventy eight Halloween movie in the twenty eighteen Halloween movie.
0: Yeah, if you didn't say what the movies are, I would be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> we're building up this hype so that you can tell people next week that you watched two movies.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna watch Halloween Kills in theaters at some point this week. I might just go after okay. work. I see. I, I was actually gonna go last night. I went out for dinner with some buddies, and I was like, "Man, if I get if I finish up, I might go." Because there's like a ten thirty show, but I ended up staying out until like eleven with my buddies after work. So I'll find a night another night and just go watch it on my own. I like going to the theaters on my own, Simon. Have you ever gone? Like to the theaters on your own? Yes. It's really nice. I have something about it. Okay. I did that for the Escape Room movie. I did that for the fifth Purge movie. Remember that week when I watched those two Escape Room movies and the five Purge movies? Good times. Good times. That was a throwback.
0: Yeah, you watched like uh, 69 movies that week.
1: Yeah, nice. Whoa. Um, But anyways, uh, and then I guess the final thing that I want to talk about in terms of something I watched. It's not a movie, but it is a trailer for a movie a video game movie for that matter, the Uncharted trailer, Simon,
0: based Mm, on the Naughty Dog
1: video game of the same name. Indeed. Um, What did you think of it? Did you watch this trailer? I did, yeah. Yeah. Did you play the Uncharted series? I can't remember. I think you, like, did you play all of them or just one of them? I've only
0: played Uncharted 1. Mm,
1: Okay. So yeah, I'm a big Uncharted fan. I've played every Uncharted game, Uh, even the PlayStation Vita one. I didn't complete that one. But yeah, I played Uncharted, uh, Uncharted one through four, and like Lost Legacy and all of that stuff, and it's quite interesting because initially when they announced this Uncharted movie, it was supposed to be you know young Nathan Drake who's the main character of the Uncharted uh, games, um, and I I presumed that this was going to be kind of like a prequel, like it, it was going to maybe lead up into the video games, but this trailer uh, actually brings in a bunch of story elements from uh, not only the, the 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 latest game, like the fourth game in the franchise, I guess lost legacy was the latest one but again the fourth game in like the nathan drake series um but you know like they bring in pretty big action set pieces from the other games most notably uncharted 3 there's a scene in the trailer where it's like nathan drake he's like on a plane and there's those cargo things that are like you know flying out of the plane and he's like holding on to the 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 stuff trying to get back on the plane like that that's straight out of uncharted 3 and it's uh interesting to see it in live action i remember playing that scene for the first time like in in the video game and being like enamored by it so it's cool that they're bringing this in and i don't know the one thing uh i felt about this trailer is it's uh it's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be like i i I thought i was i went in like being like god it's gonna be shit and uh, i finished the trailer and i was like this actually doesn't look too bad it's it's not as uncharted as i would like i think nathan drake he's uh, uh there was that quote that tom uh, holland came out with uh talking about him playing nathan drake as like the stoic badass character and i remember uh, i think we both talked about it on the show and i was like that's not nathan drake nathan drake's like this witty funny character that just like you know drops like these one-liners while you know beating the shit out of people um and there wasn't much of that in this trailer there's one scene in particular where this like scottish guy comes out and he's like he's, he's talking in like this thick scottish accent and you know, uh, Tom Holland's like Nathan Drake just goes like, what? Which I found like quite funny. I actually laughed a little bit and I was like that. That was the closest to the games I felt it got in terms of Nathan Drake's portrayal. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think this looks too bad. It looks uh, like it looks like a pretty neat action movie. And I, I'm I'm hoping it, it does quite well. And I'm hoping there's more of those uh, like scenes with like that little bit of comedy and levity between um, you know, Nathan Drake and whoever he's talking to. I think the, the relationship between Mark Wahlberg, him playing Sully and, and, you know, Tom Har- uh, Holland's Nathan Drake, the little bit that we saw in the trailer was quite interesting too. I was like, I kind of like seeing this, uh, albeit they don't really look like those characters, which is the, the big thing, you know, Sully, like his defining feature in the uncharted games is his like thick mustache. And, you know, Mark Wahlberg doesn't have one. And I imagine they're going to do some like stupid after credit scene for this uncharted movie where, mark Wahlberg is going to come in and be like i'm i'm going to try this on for size and show like a mustache or some bullshit like that but i don't know again all in all like i thought this trailer actually looked quite interesting and and i'm I'm definitely gonna watch this movie like I, I i wouldn't necessarily say i'm excited but i'm I'm intrigued for sure
0: hmm.
1: yeah hmm. what do you think of it as someone that only has played the first uncharted game
0: i have a pretty good perspective i think i have a pretty good perspective on what uncharted is and what its strengths are and uh Uh, Nathan Drake has always struck me as somebody who's very confident in his Mm -hmm. abilities and he's witty, but he's kind of like, I don't know. He reminds me of like Jackie Chan in a lot of movies he's in, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he's confident and he's very obviously great at martial arts, Jackie Chan. Um, but he, he's not, um, he almost looks clumsy in his, in his responses to somebody throwing a punch at him. And I, I always kind of found that Nathan Drake was like that. And, uh, I don't. I don't know that Tom Holland has the maturity to pull that off, that feeling of of that specific thing. And I felt like that since Tom Holland was announced as the character of Nathan Drake. Mm. And I kind of feel like the movies that I've seen Tom Holland in, although he's great in them, including Spider-Man, like uh, Devil All the Time, which we saw really, recently. Yeah,
1: I like that movie quite a bit. I know it wasn't reviewed too well, but that movie is good. It is
0: good but he's still a kid in these movies yeah. and it, he just strikes me as a kid and I know they're doing like a prequel kind of thing. That's kind of what they're going for. And they're potentially building a franchise, like a movie franchise out of this video game franchise, which could be great. But at the same time, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm missing, I'm missing that element of his, uh, like the witty banter almost comes out of a place of confidence. And, uh, I wonder how, how much they're going to, they're going to go down that road because it's such a important part of that character in the games. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's coming out in, I want to say February. Let me just double check that real quick. February 11th. It's also directed by Ruben Fleischer. It is. Yeah. Who did the greatest movie of all time. Venom.
0: I can't remember. Did you like Venom? Let there be carnage or Venom. Ruben Fleischer's Venom better.
1: I honestly don't.
0: Fleischer. I think it is Fleischer. I think so, but now, dude, I Zendaya, don't Zendaya. Re- Zendaya, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Fair point. I, I have no, I, dude, I don't remember Venom. Like, <laughs> I talked about it when we talked about Venom. Let there be carnage. I'm like, I guess I like Venom. Let there be carnage better because I don't remember what happened in the Venom movie. I remember there's there's the the lobster tank scene, and there is the two blobs fighting each other, and, and a lot you know, of
0: sweaty Tom Hardy, like in in sweatshirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is quite a this bit. Looks of that. terrible. He's just so sweating like, the whole time.
1: So I guess I like Venom Let There Be Carnage more because I remember more of it. And there's, I think, a couple more. I think the blobs fighting are better in Venom Let There Be Carnage.
0: Yeah, it was a good fight scene in Venom Let There Be Carnage. That's the highlight of the movie, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess Venom Let There Be Carnage.
0: Adrian, should we move on to the news?
1: Uh, how many news stories do we
0: got, Simon? We always got three. Well, typically we have three big news stories and then we got the montage as, oh. as per as per the use. Oh, okay.
1: Nice. I was hoping there would be 69 news stories, Simon, because we're on the oh. 69th episode.
0: Wow! No, because then we'd be here be here all day. We already had like 50 different yeah. uh, movies we watched. Not 69, St- but 50. Just to <laughs> ruin your, straight steal your thunder. Yeah. Okay, Adrian. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as documented by publication The Hollywood Reporter. Previous Batwoman actor, Ruby Rose, has recently claimed that they left their role as Kate Kane at Network CW's Batwoman series because they had actually been fired. At about the midpoint of 2020, it was announced that Rose would be leaving the series, with the role of Batwoman going to actor Javicia Leslie. Rose claimed at the time that they had chosen to depart the series after having, quote, made the very difficult decision to not return to Batwoman next season, unquote. But now, Rose has claimed on social media that the conditions on set of Batwoman were dangerous. Ruby Rose points to multiple on-set injuries, including their own, in which Rose injured their back on set, mm. had surgery, and was forced to start work up again after only 10 days of recovery. In a statement on Instagram, Rose says, quote, To my dear, dear fans still asking if I will return to that awful show, I wouldn't return for any amount of money, nor if a gun were to my head. Nor did I quit. I did not quit. They ruined Kate Kane, and they destroyed Batwoman, not me. I followed orders, and if I wanted to stay, I was going to sign my rights away. Any threats, any bullying tactics, or blackmail would not make me stand down, unquote. Shortly afterwards, and as a response to Ruby Rose's statement, Warner Brothers fired back by saying quote, despite the revisionist history that Ruby Rose is now sharing online aimed at the producers, the cast and crew, the network and the studio, the truth is that Warner Brothers Television had decided not to exercise its option to engage Ruby for season two of Batwoman based on multiple complaints about workplace behavior that were extensively reviewed and handled privately out of respect for all concerned, unquote. Adrian, Drama. What are you thinking about this CW drama?
1: This is wild, man. This is I find this really interesting. I think, you know, Ro- Ruby Rose coming out and uh talking about, you know, their experience on the set of Batwoman and and you know, them being fired from the show is is super interesting and 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 them making it seem like it was like just bad work conditions and then, you know, Warner Bros kind of firing back just being like, "No, they, they sucked while they were on set like they were they, they you know, there was a bunch of people complaining about it. I just find this a very interesting story. I remember I never watched any of Batwoman because I remember when that trailer came out and I was like, this looks fucking awful. Um, <laughs> didn't you watch the first episode? Oh, maybe I did. Oh, I did watch the first episode. It's very forgettable, Simon. Um, but yeah, I just I didn't bother watching any more of it. Did I watch the first episode? I must have. I must have. I thought Whatever, you did matter. and you
0: re- didn't like it. That's yeah. what I recall. I probably Maybe not. It was like, it was last year. So you, you, you talked about it on the podcast, if I recall yeah. correctly. Maybe
1: I did. I don't remember. Uh, we, 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 talked about me not having a good memory, uh, plenty of times, but, uh, I don't know. I just find this story all in all very interesting. If, if what Ruby Rose is saying is true, like that they had this, you know, back injury, and then were pretty much forced to come back to work 10 days out, like 10 days after is that's really messed up. That's very like, Uh, that's a that's a shitty thing to do uh i mean we started the show off about you know like set safety and everything like that and um like with the with the alec baldwin situation on that set and this seems like almost uh like a like a like a different aspect of that it's just almost negligence and 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 forcing people to work when they're injured is i don't know i just find this very messed up it's interesting too because I don't know. There's not too many complaints about these CW shows. Like, I like not many people have spoken out about it. I know, like, Dominic Purcell, like, he abruptly left Legends of Tomorrow after season six. But I don't think anything really came of it. I don't think he, like, mentioned that it was, like, awful working there or anything like that. He did. So I don't know. He did?
0: Yeah, he did. And then he took it back. Oh, okay. It was quite weird. That was yeah. a strange situation. I'm not sure what the deal was with that. Because there was a good chance he was going to still be on Legends of Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, because like, didn't he mention that he was like, gonna stay on for season seven, and then just like abruptly was like, no, I'm done after like this final, like the sixth season
0: or whatever. It was strange. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is there.
1: But yeah, so like, I don't know, it's interesting, because no one else has really come out to talk about this poor work condition. And, you know, Warner Brothers kind of like fired back and, you know, like saying that, yeah, Ruby Rose, like they sucked on set. And there were multiple people complaining about them. Um, So I don't know, it's, it's one of these like two-sided stories. It, it it kind of reminds me of the Ray Fisher situation to be honest with you. Uh like him complaining about Joss Joss Whedon and all that sort of stuff. So I don't that know, it does they-
0: remind me of that as well. The thing about Rose that's interesting is or this story as well is that they don't mention they don't mention the the conditions on set. Mm-hmm. Although they are calling it revisionist history. So I, yeah. I wonder if that's like a just a Yeah. Say flick off the shoulder kind of scenario. Like we didn't, yeah. we, none of this is true, but I don't know. It is interesting. It does remind me of the Ray Fisher situation a little bit. It's, it reminds me of that as well, because Ray Fisher talked the world of that production for Justice League. Yeah. And then years later, he comes back and says that it's, it was crap. Yeah. And Ruby Rose is kind of doing something similar.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. it's It's interesting. The one thing that I kind of, Like, I remember in in Batwoman, there was a there was a stunt um, person that that died on the set of that. So that's kind of like one of those things that I'm almost I almost believe Ruby Rose and her, you know, like the way she talks about those set conditions, because there was literally a a stunt person that died while doing a stunt for this TV series.
0: Really? I don't remember that. Maybe I I think we talked
1: about it on this show.
0: Well, now it's now, now it is I that doesn't have a good memory. Yeah. Let me just double check. Maybe I made that up in my brain. Some double. D- Ruby Rose definitely had an injury though. I remember that. That was documented. That was the thing that, that was the reasoning initially that Rose gave for the fact that they were leaving. They left. Yeah. That that was the whole idea um, initially, but Rose was kind of gracious about it. That's the weird thing. And when Javicia Leslie was announced, Rose was kind of applauding the casting of Javicia Leslie. So I don't, this is the strange bit about that. That's like, you'd think you'd kind of just talk out right away. I don't know. It's strange.
1: Oh, so sorry. uh, Just to correct myself. There wasn't a death on set. There was a TV show crew member that was paralyzed. Oh no. A set accident. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So not a death, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a
1: shitty situation. And you know, like I, I, if Ruby Rose was, you know, a shitty person on the set of Batwoman and, you know, that like they were literally fired because of that. then, I mean like good riddance, but at the same time, it definitely does seem like there aren't the greatest set conditions on the show simply because of the ad again, that stunt person or, or sorry, a crew member being paralyzed. And then again, uh, them being, uh, you know, Ruby Rose having a back injury and then being forced to come back 10 days in. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate.
0: Who's to say until the story develops. I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll have to wait and see. Adrian, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, let's do it. Number two. As Website Variety reports, Disney has decided to delay most of their upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe film slate, starting with their 2022 film Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. The Doctor Strange sequel will now launch in theaters on May 6th, 2022, as opposed to its previous March 25th premiere date. This creates a natural domino effect, and therefore Thor Love and Thunder will launch on July 8th instead of May 6th, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will premiere on November 11th instead of July 8th. The Marvels will now launch on February 17th, 2023. And The Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will now premiere on July 8th, 2023. Even the Harrison Ford starring 5th Indiana Jones film has been pushed back almost a full year from a July 29th, 2022 release date to a new June 30th, 2023 date instead. These delays might come somewhat of a surprise, considering the pandemic-era box office success of the recent Marvel theatrical releases, such as Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, with its $400 million-plus box office haul. Mm. As Variety points out, the delays are due to production woes and are not a reaction to any sort of negative box office predictions. Adrian, yeah, what are you thinking? It's me. What are you thinking about these? Extensive delays. Well, Simon, this is not
1: nice. This is not nice. It's kind of unfortunate. I'm, yeah, it's, it's interesting why they would delay it because, again, everything seems to be looking up with the COVID situation. And I mean, I, I know, like, Variety points out, like, you know, the delays are due to production woes, but like, are there many? Like, for like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Like, I mean, obviously, we don't see it, but I just find it an odd choice. My immediate thought was when they moved this back was that this happened days after DC fandom and at DC fandom, they announced the, like the Batman movie, like it's release date. And that release date was March 4th. So my, my initial thought, I was like, Oh, I feel like this is, might be reactionary. Marvel wants to move this out of the way, you know, give Batman room to breathe so they can get, you know, Dr. Strange in the spotlight. And then as a result, they moved everything further back. But, Again, I just found I found this a very odd decision. Um, Other than again that that Batman reasoning that I that I thought of, Uh, what do you think about this, man?
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little strange. Um, It's a little Doctor Strange. Um, Whoa! I like it. That was awful. And Adrian, the truth of the matter is that uh, Variety is kind of mentioning the whole situation with production. Being the issue that there's like production delays, mm-hmm. and I would tend to gravitate toward that reason. I think that that is the reason because when you one you when you have to move one movie, you have to move them all. It's so true. if Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which is still filming in Atlanta, as Variety mentions, is delayed in its filming process, then that might be the reason why, because that's coming out in 2022, and mm-hmm. so that might be the reason. That's what they argue that could could have happened that movie got delayed and they kind of had to move everything to shift it to properly hit the pattern of when they also are releasing disney plus tv series because everything is so interconnected within the marvel cinematic universe that one movie affects the others and you can't really push one ahead of another necessarily especially if they're that interconnected as like eternals is supposed to be like again a game changer for the marvel cinematic universe as kevin Feige points out um i imagine a lot of these be careful for spoilers Right. So I imagine these other films are in this similar boat, like where they're going to be kind of game changers in their own right, depending on the movie. Um, so that's probably what happened. Like Harrison Ford got injured uh, really badly. I think he hurt a shoulder on set. And so they had to pretty much delay filming quite a bit. So that doesn't surprise me that that was moved a full year. Yeah. Although that's not really related to Marvel's cinematic universe, but that's probably what happened when one movie gets moved. It's a weird thing though. You got like – what? How many movies did I just mention? Like seven? Six movies? 69. So six movies. No. Nice try. Nice try. Nice. <laughs> so one of these movies gets pushed, or the, one of the Disney Plus series is delayed, which might have a big impact on the rest of the universe. Then you just have all of these other movies have to get moved. I. It does strike me, though, that the Batman might have had to play a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is a weird coincidence that the Batman trailer, which looks really good and announces the announced date, like the uh, premiere date of March 5th, you said? Fourth. Fourth. Um, It looked really good. And it's so close to Doctor Strange, which is another superhero movie. So like strategy might dictate that you push Doctor Strange. I don't know. It's a weird one. It looked like they were a little bit scared though. Like why why announce that now? Just wait a little longer.
1: Yeah. I do agree with you. It was an odd choice. It just, yeah, it seemed too hasty. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was literally yeah, DC fandom happened and then within like a day or two, they announced all these movies being pushed back. And again, that was my first thought. Um, it was just like, yeah, like Batman's coming out in March. So we'll give that room to breathe. Because I, I feel like Batman's going to, do gangbusters like that trailer was like watched so much. And again, God, it looks so good. I can't wait for them. freaking movie. Jesus
0: the trailer Christ. looks amazing. We, one thing we didn't mention last week was Andy circus as Alfred. Just yeah. looks awesome. Just fantastic. Yeah. So good. He did look good. Oh, Oh, one other thing. The last shot of that trailer also divine. Oh, incredible. Yeah, I agree with you. Walking, yeah, walking upside down and turning into the Batman logo. Like what a great, like artistic, uh, choice that was mm-hmm. I, oh. and the, the the that combined with the music and then he got um a completely unrecognizable uh colin farrell colin farrell yeah which is wild as well that's richard kind yeah no he doesn't even look that much like richard kind now actually it's weird yeah I know. I, there was I know. something like that, a very close shot of him looking like richard kind and then people, the internet blew up but he doesn't sound like him at all he doesn't sound like colin farrell at all no so
1: yeah, if I didn't know that was Colin Farrell, I would never know that was Colin Farrell. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's it's awesome. I'm very excited.
1: Speaking of excitement, Simon, out of these movies, what what excites you the most? What are you most intrigued about? Which one are you the most excited about? Which one do you want to watch the
0: most? Out of the out of the movies that are delayed, yeah, or out of the movies that are coming out in the the slate? Out of
1: the, out of the movies that are delayed, just because it's it's more in line with this story.
0: Okay, sounds good. Um. Hmm. It's a ho- tough one. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about the... Mar. Is it the Morvels or is it the Marvels? I think it's just the Marvels. I'm curious about it because I imagine it's going to be very tied into Miss Marvel, like the TV series.
1: Yeah. Miss Marvel, the TV series in. is coming out before this. I'm pretty sure. Like that movie.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Otherwise, like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, like I'm tremendously intrigued by what they're going to do in terms mm-hmm. of trying to fill the gap that is Chadwick Boseman, like... Competently and honoring his memory and legacy, yeah. so I think that, that is a huge thing. Thor: Love and Thunder is Taika Waititi probably at his best, like in terms of in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Apparently, like it's even bigger and better than Thor: Ragnarok. So, like, I mean, what's that going to be? I don't know. This is a tough question. I think probably Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, just because. I guess that will depend on how good Spider-Man No Way Home is, but mm-hmm. just because of the the hype behind it, it seems like it's going to be, I think the multiverse aspect of that movie is going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the universe. Yeah. If it isn't already set in a movie before that. So.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think I agree with you on that one. I'm I'm most like, I think I'm most excited about multiverse of menace as well, but simply because yeah, like it seems like the most things are going to connect to this because they announced that, you know, Loki, is most likely going to be in it if not confirmed to be in it um elizabeth olsen's like scarlet witch is supposed to be in it and then again it's it seems to be the direct sequel to spider-man no way home so we're gonna kind of expand on this multiverse element and i think it's going to be the most wacky and also sam raimi's directing it which is super cool i'm excited to see his style
0: brought to life in like a marvel movie you know indeed that yep. is a good point. That's a that's the point that I missed there. I don't know how I forgot about that. That's a mm-hmm. huge point. Yeah. Um so it's probably Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Um but I actually nice. no, Adrian, because there's one movie I didn't mention and it's Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And oh. that's the movie I'm most excited for because it's the movie I didn't mention yet. That's fair.
1: I'll let you have it. That sounds
0: good. Because and I'm not I'm joking, I was being stupid, but at the same time, we know that Kang the Conqueror is supposed to be in that movie. Oh, yeah. And I imagine that's the Thanos-level villain that they're mm-hmm. gearing up for. I'm not sure, though. So I think that, again, the problem is I could say any of these movies are my are the one I'm looking forward to the most. But the reason why I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is because of Loki and WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So it's like any of these properties come out next, maybe the Hawkeye TV series or Eternals. And I'm like, well, now, actually, it's set up Door, Love, and Thunder in a huge way. I'm really excited for that. I don't know. It completely depends on what happens in these next properties. Yeah. That's the great thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're all connected. It's true. And the bad thing about it is because they're all connected, they all get delayed when one gets delayed. So That's true. Yeah. Double-edged sword. Number three. Story number three, Adrian. (gasps) According to The Hollywood Reporter, Hayden Christensen, actor Hayden Christensen, will reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader, in the upcoming Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau produced Ahsoka Tano-centered Disney Plus TV series. The series is set to be called Ahsoka, and will feature the Mandalorian actor Rosario Dawson in the leading role. Ahsoka Tano is a Jedi, trained by Anakin Skywalker, who first appeared in animated form within creator Dave Filoni's Star Wars Clone Wars TV series. Most recently we saw Rosario Dawson play Ahsoka within season two of Disney Plus series The Mandalorian. The Ahsoka series is meant to take place five years after Return of the Jedi, and will be written primarily by longtime Star Wars master planner Dave Filoni. Adrian, thoughts on this? New casting news.
1: I think this is uh I think this is really awesome. Um it's it's interesting because I guess this show is taking place in the same time frame as the Mandalorian because I believe the Mandalorian takes place five years after return of the Jedi too. So I think this is going to be like that, uh, that one episode in Ma- of the Mandalorian is kind of like a, like a backdoor pilot to this series. But uh, again, I think it's super awesome that they're bringing Hayden Christensen back. And I'm curious how they're going to do it in this show. Cause obviously spoiler alert, Darth Vader is dead, Simon. I don't know if you knew what? this. Yeah, he died at the end of Return of the Jedi. So I, I I imagine they'll bring him back as like a force ghost. And again, we also know that Hayden Christensen is being brought back for the Obi-Wan series, which again, I think takes place before A New Hope. So different time frame. So it's really cool that they're, you know, folding Hayden Christensen back in because he I think he was done pretty dirty with the incredibly poor writing of Attack of the Clones. I Again, uh, we, we've spoken about it quite a few times um, that like his acting chops definitely gets noticeably better in Revenge of the Sith. Um, but it's still not perfect. So I'm, I'm glad that he's getting another go at this universe. Cause I really love Revenge of the Sith. I I'm on your side. Like I, I, I still love the prequel movies. Attack of the clones. I think is a bad movie. Like I don't think it's good, but I still have a lot of nostalgia for it. So I've a lot of nostalgia for Hayden Christensen in general. So I think this just makes me, uh, I'm excited for these like star Wars shows. I, the quality of the Mandalorian in comparison to the uh, these new movies is is it's night and day, man. Like the Mandalorian, so great, and you know, let me just say it here: the Rise of Skywalker, bad movie, not a good movie. We can all agree on that. It's a shit movie, and I don't know. It, it feels like with Dave Filoni at the helm of this, that there is a vision. They know what they're doing. They know what they're what what they're trying to set up with these series is. and. It's not this visionless, you know, trilogy that you know the J.J. Abrams like sequel movies were, you know, like J.J. Abrams started uh, the Force Awakens and had no plan, and then obviously uh, Ryan Johnson comes in, makes the Last Jedi, which again I really love. I think the Last Jedi might be my favorite Star Wars movie. It's definitely in my top three uh, Star Wars movies, and you know, then J.J. J.J. Abrams comes back and Rise of Skywalker and throws that shit out the window, like it was nothing, and retcons a bunch of crap, and then makes a like a garbage movie um so you
0: know what happened in that movie adrian what the emperor is the main villain that comes back to life yeah
1: emperor palpatine's back somehow
0: and you know who's coming back in this series hayden christensen the emperor who's coming back anakin darth vader in ahsoka darth vader anakin is he gonna come back to life oh
1: my god no no way they're gonna go that route he's gonna be a force ghost
0: produced by jj abrams Ugh, i
1: would puke i'd puke
0: secret producer Imagine, imagine. I'm, I'm joking. I don't yeah. think, I, I think there was just a misguided choice by J.J. That uh, was like a, that was like a trope. Like, yeah. we know people love the emperor. They love to hate the emperor. Let's bring the emperor back. That's the best choice.
1: I just don't understand how nobody was like, guys, we shouldn't do this.
0: This is awful. Why would you do this? Why was nobody there being like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So you know that scene where you give Chewbacca the medal? Yeah, that's a that's a deleted scene. We're we're deleting that. That we'll we'll put that into the D V D. No worries. You know that scene Blu-ray. 4K Blu-ray, whatever. You
1: know, you know that scene where where you the, the entire movie? Yeah, we're gonna throw that <laughs> into the goddamn bin.
0: Yeah, we're we're rehiring Colin Trevorrow of yeah. Jurassic World. Okay, uh, sorry. You made a mistake. Yeah. Oops.
1: <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> We gotta just do a full like we we should do closer look episodes of like every Star Wars movie, but start with Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> just because we'll I want to
0: make our way work our way back.
1: Yeah, I just want to tear that fucking movie apart.
0: Maybe we should start from the beginning. We should actually go from like the actual episode one, and then yeah, um, I, I'd be down. And, I feel like that's fun. Make a way up. Yeah, but uh, we could do Rise Rise of Sky Skywalker as the first one, yeah. sure. <laughs> but no, I don't think that he would bring. Darth Vader back to life because that no, doesn't no. seem like a thing that Dave Filoni would did, would do this is this is flashbacks her training arguably
1: yeah
0: when Anakin is not Darth Vader that'd be cool that's what I'm thinking
1: I would like that I would like that
0: yes me too I'm very excited for Kenobi that's again my favorite I think that's mm-hmm. the the Star Wars property I'm most excited for I think yeah coming up too. To again you McGregor just does such a great job he's So good he's so good he's so good
1: yeah, Book of okay. Boba Fett is also end of this year, which is super Crazy. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: December. This is coming soon. We're friggin' almost in November. It's just nuts. Time is flying. Coming soon, coming fast. Indeed. All right. Now on to the montage, the sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as announced by Netflix, the Jason Bateman-directed crime thriller TV series, ozark will return for part one of its fourth season on january 21st 2022
1: nice i can't wait for this i love ozark i think ozark's fantastic definitely worth the watch it's on netflix everywhere
0: number two according to the hollywood reporter uh, i almost said bateman bateman returns batman returns star danny devito has been cast alongside Lakeith Stanfield, Owen Wilson, Rosario Dawson, and Tiffany Haddish in Disney's upcoming live action Haunted Mansion film adaptation.
1: That's a really great cast. A nice cast, some would say.
0: Yeah. Just to be clear, Jason Bateman is not in that movie. Fair enough. Number 3: As publication deadline reports, Soprano's creator David Chase is reportedly in talks with Warner Brothers to create a prequel Soprano's TV series for HBO Max. The series would take place after his recent Soprano's film prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. Oh, interesting. I wonder if they would
1: like bring back that whole movie cast as well. It'd be cool if they did.
0: Number 4: As announced by Mythic Quest creator Rob McElhenney on Twitter, his game developer workplace comedy mythic quest has officially been renewed for a third and fourth season on apple tv plus
1: this is nice Super nice. This is 69 nices. I'm so happy about this. Mythic Quest is fantastic. It's definitely worth a watch on Apple TV plus. It's so great. And again, the way season 2 ended, it felt like it could have been a series finale, and there was no word of it coming back for a while. So I'm so happy about this. I'm very, very happy about this.
0: Number five. As website Collider reports, James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has officially begun production. Despite the significant delays for most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's film slate, it appears as though Guardians of the Galaxy galaxy 3 was unaffected by these delays with the planned may 5th 2023 premiere date still in play
1: that's super awesome that's super nice do you remember when they're coming out with the guardians of the galaxy holiday specials that next christmas
0: yeah 2022 december mm. i believe unless it gets delayed cool number six according to deadline bad boys for life actor jacob Scipio has been cast in an unknown role within the DC Universe movie Batgirl. Barbara Gordon, AKA Batgirl, will be played by the In the Heights star, Leslie Grace, while well, the role of Commissioner Jim Gordon will officially be reprised by actor J.K. Simmons.
1: That's, that's dope. So I guess this is gonna be more tied to the, the Snyderverse, quote unquote. It's not really the Snyderverse anymore, but you know what I mean. Mm. The, the verse created by Snyder. Mm, yes. That will re- be rebooted with the Flash movie,
0: mm. kind of. Is it? Isn't the Flash movie first before Batgirl? I guess. So technically it'll be in the Flashverse movie? It's not rebooted. It's not gonna be rebooted. like so a soft reboot? They're gonna like honor everything that came before it. I don't know. We, we'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Based yeah. on how these executives are talking about this universe. Yeah. Number seven. According to Deadline, Drive actor Ryan Gosling is in final negotiations to play Ken in Lady Bird director Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie movie, which will star Itania actor Margot Robbie in the title role.
1: Is this going to be a good movie, Simon? I feel like this Barbie movie is going to be a really good movie. Well, it's got great skill attached. we got Ryan the Goose Gosling, Margot Robbie. Greta Gerwig. Like, this is going to be a good movie. Wild.
0: Well, Noah Baumbach is involved as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, what is up with that? I think he's writing it with Greta
1: Gerwig. So. Noah Baumbach, he, he wrote Marriage Story and directed Marriage Story.
0: Correct. Number eight. As reported by Collider, Braveheart actor Mel Gibson has been cast in Network Showtime's upcoming John Wick spinoff prequel TV series, The Continental.
1: This is wild. (laughs) This is actually unbelievable casting. I'm like shocked about this. And this is cool, but yeah, nuts. Start up a bit of controversy. Uh, cause Mel Gibson's uh, a little bit of an anti-Semite or was. I don't know if he still is.
0: Number nine. As Deadline reports, the post-apocalyptic drama series adaptation to Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera's comic book series Why the Last Man has been cancelled after one season by FX on Hulu.
1: This is kind of disappointing. I, I read the first, uh, I want to say like two, three volumes. Volumes of this series and it's super interesting and man this this series has been in like production hell for I feel like a decade so it's unfortunate that it got cancelled before its season even ended so too bad.
0: Number 10 the DC Comics and Warner Brothers DC Fandom live stream event had tripled the viewership this year in comparison with their 2020 Maiden Voyage Fandom live stream. 66 million fans tuned in for the 2021 event stream as of October 19th 2021.
1: Man there just three million off to make it 69 million simon oh dear nice
0: and that concludes the montage
1: (laughs) montage
0: all right adrian all right all right this is a longer episode than than usual yeah usually clock in around an hour and a half but we're just at the new releases now so i'm having fun are you It's a good time. It's a good time, Adrian. What do you got for me, my friend? What do you have for me? I got new releases for you, Simon. Oh. Yeah,
1: this is for the week of October the 25th to October the Halloween. That's a Monday to a Sunday, as per usual, baby. And the first movie coming out this week is coming out on Wednesday, October 27th. It's a movie called Hypnotic. It's a Netflix original movie, and it's about a woman that goes to a hypnotherapist for help in her personal life, only to find herself trapped in a mysterious mind game. Ooh. Oh, yeah, indeed, Simon. Um, by the way, I did plagiarize one of these, but I'm not gonna play the game because it's very obvious which one I plagiarized because I was like, I don't know how to change this. I'll get I'll sh- I'll tell you when we get there. You'll guess it regardless. But we're not playing it. No, we're we're still tied. We're still tied. I don't want to do this like every single week where I decide to plagiarize something. I just want to do it every once in a while. You
0: know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Just to give context to the viewer, listener that doesn't listen every week. Adrian sometimes plagiarizes one of the descriptions for one of these movies. And then he asks me to guess which one he plagiarized because the rest of them he wrote with mm-hmm. his own words. Yeah. But this, this week, for whatever reason, he told me about the game, but isn't asking me to play it. Yeah. It's a little strange, but Adrian, what's the second movie coming out this week? Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight
1: too, Simon. This is a Netflix original movie, and this should have been called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight."
0: Yeah, it should have been because it. Yeah, it's not a great title anyway. Yeah. So why not?
1: Yeah, exactly. Why not? <laughs> like, why not?
0: Uh, uh, ah, yeah.
1: yes. The rest of these movies are coming out on Friday, October the 29th, Simon. And the first one is a Netflix original movie called Army of Thieves. This this looks cool. It's a prequel to Army of the Dead, which came out earlier this movie, which wasn't that great of a movie, but the trailer for this movie looks really good. I'm quite excited for this Army of Thieves movie.
0: I can't tell if you were just doing wordplay or not. If I was, it
1: wasn't intentional.
0: I'll be honest with you. It came out earlier this movie, but this movie was (laughs) like, what? It came out earlier this movie? Yeah. (laughs) Like you're this year, the year 2021 is a movie. Every year is a movie? Yeah. Is exactly. that how you picture the world? That's the way the, yeah, bro. the world operates. This year was a movie, bro. If anything, it's a TV series. Okay. It's true. I always talk about
1: seasons. When I'm at work, I'm always like, oh, this is season three.
0: What season are you on at work?
1: At my at my current work? Yeah. Uh season two. Mm, but this is a new spin-off show. I've I've been spinned off three uh twice now. In the wow in the, very yeah.
0: successful you're a very successful yeah
1: individual so the second the second show I spinned off into was already running for a couple seasons um because one of my former colleagues moved to that different location and when I got there he was like yeah I've already been going for like a, like two seasons you're now joining in on season three I was like yeah fair enough
0: I see yeah. okay yeah
1: anyways this next movie is a movie called Ro roH so I pr- I believe it's pronounced RoH or raw. Raw a row 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 shaggy. This is from my movie insider in the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie and it's about, and it's a young, it's a young girl appears and brings terror to a vulnerable mother and her two children. Simon. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's when Scooby comes in and goes row row. Yeah, I know. You're that really one. going with that joke. Yeah, I just, I wanted to double down. <laughs> I was like, Combinic. it wasn't good, but Combinic. I got to double down. You know, I got to, I got to stand <laughs> by it, you know? <laughs>
0: Interesting. We just actually, funny enough, we watched Scooby-Doo. Oh. we Because we wanted to, you know, we were watching a couple, like a few Halloween, yeah. Halloween-y type things. Like we were watching You, which is kind of about serial killers, so it's apt. I love it. And uh, Scooby-Doo, we watched for the, I, I think it's the first time since I saw it in theaters, honestly, mm. back when it came out in theaters. And uh, I forgot completely, and I looked this up a couple of years back when James Gunn had done Guardians of the Galaxy, but mm-hmm. James Gunn is the writer for Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I, I think you might know that, but I think it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, it is pretty awesome. Yeah. I like that movie. I like both of those movies.
0: It's reviewed terribly, the first one.
1: Yeah, it Just is. Just awfully. I think but, the second uh, one's Honestly, worse.
0: it makes some really like adult references, which I find uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's uh, it's neat. Like There's that moment where... The Mr. Machine is sitting there and there's like smoke coming out of the top of it. So you're assuming that Shaggy and Scooby are smoke, smoking a joint. Yeah. Like 420 Blaze It.
1: They definitely are.
0: But then they zoom into the car and they're, they're, they're roasting like burgers.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like they make references like that constantly throughout the, the movie. And uh, yeah, the James Gunn stylings. Yeah. James Gunn writing, written stylings. And you got Rowan Atkinson in there as the potential villain. What is
1: it? What, what's good... the guy's name?
0: Monda something. Monda. Isn't his, is name his name? I don't remember. The Scrappy-Doo is the is the villain. In
1: the first one? I thought Scrappy-Doo was in the second one.
0: No. They go to the theme park in the first one. Anyways, mm. we talked too long about Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's true. What's the next movie coming out? Come on, let's do it.
1: Uh, later Days, man. Later Days. This is confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie.
0: And it's it's the sequel, the live action sequel to The Weekenders.
1: Oh, I love The Weekenders on
0: Family Channel. Later Days, isn't that from? Isn't he say Later Days every episode? Is that am I mistaking that for another Family Channel uh, show?
1: I think so. That seems right. It might. I feel like that was The Weekenders, but maybe not. I did love The Weekenders. And Recess, remember Recess? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love those shows. I love Disney Channel. Man, that's, I have so many good memories. Anyways, sorry, I'm going to continue. So many tangents this episode. Like, there's been at least 69 tangents, I would say.
0: Oh, wow. Should have seen that yeah. one coming. You should have. Somehow coming. I didn't. I don't know how I did not see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's not tangent on this tangent, Adrian. What's the next movie coming out?
1: On his (laughs) – so later days, on his corporate wife's birthday, a house husband throws a surprise 80s-themed birthday party. However, his wife be trying to close a huge corporate deal, man. Oh, damn. Yeah, because she's a corporate wife. Damn. Yeah. The next movie on this list is Snakehead. This is the movie that, this is the one I plagiarized because I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I, like, how could I, I don't even know what this is about. I don't know how to change it. Uh, This is is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. And Sister Tse comes to New York through a snakehead, a human smuggler. She gains favor with the matriarch of the family of crime and she rises the ranks quickly. Soon Tse must reconcile her success with her real reason for coming to America. I like read that and I was like, how like what? Like how am I supposed to change that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what this movie's about. Is this a fictional America? It's about a human smuggler. No, it's not about the human smuggler. She was smuggled by a human smuggler. What? I think a snakehead. No,
0: the first sentence. Yeah. Sister Che comes to New York through a snakehead. A human smuggler.
1: The, the snakehead is the human smuggler. Oh shit. I think
0: snake yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was very confused. So I was like, I can't rewrite this. I don't have the patience. I don't have the patience for this, Simon. Anyways, Joyride is up next. This comes from my movie insider in the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. It's about a, a couple comedians on a road trip through South America. Okay, cool. I forget which two comedians. Yeah. Uh, the Spine of Night is up next, and this confirmed by Movie Inside on the Apple TV app. This is a video-on-demand movie, and it's an animated fantasy movie that jumps through different eras and times. The animation style looks really great, and the trailer is quite interesting. I, I recommend you check it out. It's an adult, like, animation movie. It's not anime, though. It's not anime. Like, the next movie, which is My Hero Academia, World Heroes Mission, is confirmed by Movie Inside on the Cineplex application. This is actually coming to theaters. Uh, And it is playing in Cineplex. This is based on the anime series of the same name, My Hero Academia, or in its Japanese words, Boku no Hero. Oh. Yeah. And this is like a standalone movie or whatever. But it has all the same characters,
0: you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I I understand what you're putting down. Thanks. Just speaking of adult animation, Super Crooks, I believe, is coming out really soon. Is it?
1: Yeah. That's the that's the spin-off of that that uh Jupiter's Legacy show, right?
0: Yes. Oh no, not that soon. Sorry. November 25th. My mistake. I thought it was October uh, 25th. What day is it today? Still 23rd. <laughs> oh, okay. That wouldn't make a lot of that's sense.
1: That's pretty soon. It's like a month away.
0: Yeah, No, I just I thought it was going to be like a year. Like because they just announced it not long ago, like 6 months ago. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Good call. It was up next as a movie called A Mouthful of Air. This is confirmed by Cineplex and the trailer. This doesn't seem to be playing uh, anywhere near us, Simon, like you and I. But uh, this is uh, this actually seems really good. I, I watched the I watched the trailer. It stars Amanda Seyfried, and um, it's like a young adult love story uh, between like a new family and like their newborn uh, child. But the mother, you know, is like dealing with depression. And everything like that. And the trailer is really good. I think this is based on a book. And uh, I quite liked what I saw. I-, I recommend checking out the trailer. Seems really hmm. good. Seems like it's okay. going to be very heartfelt and emotional. And I kind of want to watch it. All righty. Um, and then up next is a movie called Antlers. This is confirmed by Cineplex. And this looks really good, too. I really want to watch this. This looks like a, like a super interesting horror movie. Uh, Guillermo Deltero, del Toro is uh, one of the like producers on it. He, I don't think he wrote it or di- he definitely didn't direct it, but he's one of the producers on it. And it seems really cool. I feel like a trailer for this movie released, like I want to say like two years ago. Maybe I'm just imagining that. but I remember seeing this a while back and being like, this looks fucking cool. So this is, this is another one that I really want to watch. But the final movie, Simon, that's coming out this week that I 100% want to go see this week. Is last night in Soho?
0: Ooh, Edgar Wright strikes again!
1: Oh yeah, baby! I cannot wait for this movie. This is confirmed by Cineplex. Now, funnily enough, this isn't playing in a Cineplex near us at least on Thursday night, which is frustrating. The closest one is in Ancaster, but huh. it's playing at Landmark Cinemas in like Kitchener and Waterloo. So I see. We should just go there
0: on Thursday. Like, what about what about the Friday?
1: It doesn't show me any days for Friday through the Cineplex app.
0: Oh, that's weird. I,
1: yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It only lets me show like thursday showings and again i really want to watch this movie like really bad this is probably like my uh yeah yeah so we should watch this on thursday
0: this is a horror movie from edgar wright which is kind of still kind of a surprise to me just because mm-hmm. of his, his track record like or his mainstream tra- track record anyway
1: yeah they're mostly comedies or like action
0: starring anya taylor joy yeah who's blowing up
1: mm-hmm. but god damn this movie mm-hmm. looks great i can't wait I haven't watched like the last like couple trailers. I watched that first trailer, and I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I don't need to watch anymore. Again, this, this is my most anticipated movie of the year. Will it top Dune? I don't know. I feel like that's going to be very hard to do, but I'm very excited for this. So,
0: yeah. I guess we'll find out. We still yeah. have to try to find a theater that's playing French Dispatch as well. Oh, God. This pisses me off. Yeah. fuck fuck's sakes. It certainly is annoying. All right, Adrian. This was a, it's a grand, a grand episode. Of our a doozy of an episode. Of our podcast series, which launches, of course, every Monday. And you can subscribe to us, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, perhaps, wherever you're listening right now. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you did subscribe, perhaps write us a review. And um, yeah, Adrian, anything else to say before we wrap this baby up? Um,
1: This was episode 69, and it was a nice time spending with you, Simon.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah, well, this is a nice time spending it. Uh, this is a nice time spent with you as well. I appreciate you joining me again, and uh, I really did appreciate your point of view for Dune. Interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with that, I thank you for listening to the sixty ninth episode of Split nice. Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off.
1: Tis I, Adrian Pinter, signing off on the sixty ninth episode, which is super nice. But uh, there's one thing I want to say. It's that Batman in the movie, Batman v. Superman, which is a good movie, by the way, definitely likes the 69.
0: On Catwoman. Yeah.
1: Catwoman wasn't even in the Snyder verse. I know. But I'm sure he would do it.
0: Well, according to DC, he wouldn't,
1: right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Batman does not go down on women. (laughs) It's like, what? Okay, DJ Cal.
0: And yet Zack Snyder posted that photo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Which was taken down. Yeah, I loved that. He like pushed the video of just, yeah, I like that. But um, yeah, good movie, Batman v Superman. 69 episodes. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Sorry, I forgot. I got to gotta do that. Nice.